And Chris gonna show you a thing or two This special Christmas episode of Dopey is brought to you by Oro Recovery, created by Bob Forrest and his friends, Evan, Jared, and Bob. Their mission, to create a facility that treats addicts and alcoholics with compassion and connection rather than control. Their staff has decades and decades of experience in treating co-occurring mental health disorders, including severe mental illness. They also make sure your detox is as comfortable as possible, which is critical. We know people that have been to Oro, they only say good things. Newsweek voted them top five rehabs in the world. They have amenities you wouldn't believe. Sound bath meditation, equine therapy, surfing, yoga, and of course, the potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge. If you're fucked and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California, I cannot suggest going to Oro enough. Check them out at ororecovery.com. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by Sober Buddy. What is Sober Buddy? It is an app in your phone that helps you to stay sober. But it is also so much more. It is a community. It is a world of help. It is Zooms with experts and addicts and alcoholics in recovery. It is a community of alcoholics and addicts in recovery trying to help each other to get and to stay and to maintain their recovery. It is for sober, curious people as well. I actually have been doing a Sober Buddy Zoom on Wednesdays, Wednesday at 1. If you sign up for Sober Buddy, they have a free trial, 30-day trial, 7-day trial. Either way, sign in, sign up at Sober Buddy at YourSoberBuddy.com or at the App Store or at the Google Play Store. Come to the Zoom. They have another six Zooms a week with different people. And, uh, and join the Sober Buddy community. It's YourSoberBuddy.com. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at Soberlink. We need to talk about alcohol recovery in the workplace. Talking about sobriety and providing it to your employer can be so difficult, and our friends at Soberlink want to help. If you need a reliable way to present documented proof of sobriety to a boss or loved one, Soberlink can help. Soberlink is a high-tech, portable breathalyzer system that uses facial recognition technology to verify identity. They have unique sensors to ensure that no other air sources are being used and sends results directly to your specified contacts. So there's no questioning whether or not you took the test and whether or not you altered the reporting. This is why Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is considered the gold standard. Being in recovery from alcohol does not define the future of your career. Let Soberlink help. I have a friend who uses Soberlink to help put his family back together. 
They can't say enough good things about it. Learn more about Soberlink and request an exclusive $50 off promo code by visiting www.soberlink.com slash dopey. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dopey Nation. This is Stephanie in Colorado, a.k.a. Crystal Steph. Just want to wish everybody a really Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, Happy New Year, whatever, all of that stuff. Let you guys know that you all mean so much to me and this community means so much to me. And if you're in this community and you've thought about getting more involved but haven't done it yet, this is the perfect time. Dopey Zoom is having a marathon both this weekend and next weekend, Saturday and Sunday, both weekends, 10 a.m. to midnight, both days. The Zoom ID is 804-300-586. And that password is all lowercase toodles. And no pressure to talk or participate. You can just hang out, get out of your own head. I know that's what saved my ass. Um, But anyways, thank you, Dave, for all that you do. Love you guys. Merry Christmas. Toodles. Welcome to a Christmas episode of Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. My name is Dave. It's the night before the night before Christmas, and it is freezing. It's fucking like 50 degrees and raining this morning, but the the, the temperature is plummeting. It's going to be like 10 degrees tomorrow, and it's not going to snow, and whatever. Who cares? It's like, I, I would like a nice white Christmas. I don't know why I care. I'm such a romantic for fucking Christmas, which is why we put out Christmas episodes. And we have a very special Christmas dopey episode right now with tons of special guests. But before we get into it, I just want to mention we had a huge loss this week in the universe, not really in the dopesphere, but Terry Hall, the lead singer of the specials, died. He was 63 years old. They were one of my very, very favorite bands. Uh, I don't know. I probably first in my high school, for whatever reason, specials t-shirts were like cool and ska music. I guess I went to such a nerdy high school that ska music was cool. It was the early nineties in New York city. There were some really good ska bands. If you know the New York city ska scene, it was before wacky ska was the thing, but the specials were the furthest thing from wacky ska. The Specials were a band from England. I think they got together in like 1976 or 1977. It's an interracial band. It was a mix of reggae music and punk rock music and ska music. The record, The Specials, The Specials, is one of the greatest records from start to back ever made. Terry Hall was an incredibly passionate singer, and uh, I saw him... In 2010 at Terminal 5, you know, many, many years later, and he was incredible. He got pissed off in the middle of the show and he threw his mic stand. I've always been in awe of the specials. They made me feel cool. Their music is incredible. If you've never heard them, check them out. Also, Terry Hall was a drug addict. He was a drug addict. He was in recovery. And I really wanted him to come on Dopey. And now that's never going to happen. But like a real quick... Rest in peace, Terry Hall. Uh, You were loved. You made my life better, and thank you. And now let's get on uh, with the dopes. 
Here's here's some dopes wishing you guys some Merry Christmas. What's up, Dave and Dopey Nation? This is Matthew Wiedemeyer Carroll coming to you live from fucking cold as fuck Iowa. Currently sitting here at John Deere, checking blocks, basically doing nothing, making triple time, so that's nice. Gotta love that triple time. So I can give it all away to Uncle Sam at the end of the fucking year. Anyways, I just want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas. Stay safe out there. And Merry Christmas from me and all the Waiting for Tonight cats on the farm. Fucking toodles for Chris. Jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. Batmobile lost his wheel, Joker got away. Hey, happy holidays, Dopey Nation. Love Butchie. Merry Christmas, Dopey Nation. Fucking toodles from Taylor. I love the Christmas episode. I love to hear from all of the dopes in the doposphere. And if you guys want to be in the New Year's episode or you want to hear yourself on Dopey, you know what to do. You just fucking, uh, you know what I did, actually? I should tell you guys about this. I set up a Dopey hotline, but it doesn't go straight to voicemail yet. I don't know if I should give out the number of the Dopey hotline yet. But the dopey hotline is in the works. I, I'm scared I like lost the number. Here he is. I found the number. You ready? This is the first. We have one message from the dopey hotline, but I don't know how to play it. The number is 631-699-5142. Call that number. Leave a message. Leave a dopey story. Say what's up to the dopey nation. I cannot wait to see what comes in on the on the hotline. Anyway, let's let's I'm gonna read you an email. Hey Dave. Oh, shit. This is from Alan A. in Ireland who wrote the Pay Attention song that we talked about two weeks ago. And he he was very excited to hear us talking about his song. So he wrote, Hey, Dave, it's been a while. I hope you and yours are all in fine, festive form. So, wow, I don't think I've ever had a spotlight put on one of my songs and certainly never a breakdown on my lyrics. Thank you so much, Dave. I'm glad you still dig Pay Attention. It's well outside my comfort zone. Usually my music makes more of an angry noise. I sing and play guitar in an alt-rock band called Pod Racer and play bass in a punk rock band called The Gack, which, of course, you're free shamelessly to plug for me. Uh-huh. Yeah, so check out The Gack and Pod Racer. And, uh, and unusually for me, and I'm very proud of that little tune, you got almost all the lyrics right. Uh, the one lyric I got wrong, and everyone corrected me, which is, uh, well, if your dealer lives left, then put your headphones on and walk to the right. So thank you, uh, Alan. And then he says that sample of you and Chris laughing at the end is from one of my favorite episodes when you and Chris were recording in an empty house, I think in the Hamptons, and you were both in great form, laughing a lot. Such a funny, sweet episode. And I have to put my hand up and admit I took the phrase hearse and reverse from Bob Forrest, which he said somewhere. I still listen to the show, of course, though I drop in and out and binge multiple episodes and occasionally listen to the old episodes when I'm feeling blue. You and Chris always cheer me up. Keep up the great work. Uh, thanks again, Dave. Happy Christmas, Hanukkah, holidays to all of you. Alan Anderson, big reveal, his full name, which I'm free to say on the show, from Dundalk in Ireland. So let's thank Alan again. Um, here's another one. Hey, Dave. I've been listening a lot every day for hours. Love the show, man. Thank you. Trying to kick the booze habit. Started doing acid, smoking bud, and drinking young. 13-ish. Going to my first meeting tomorrow. I'm an old fuck like you and have lost a lot of family and close friends like you. 
I know you love the Othello cookie idea, but maybe the reason I think pastry chefs are like, ugh, maybe is because the icing is on top and bottom, right? Melting and causing a mess in your hands and wax paper. Also, woke culture will be riding outside asking why the bakery serves chocolate or white side down. Broken windows, cars on fire, etc. Tomorrow is my first day sober, I hope. I have two boys like you have two girls, and I'm trying to get my girlfriend back because she left because I was a selfish, drunk asshole. Love you, man. Thanks again. Dopey podcast is the best. Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened to this guy. I don't know if I wrote him back. If you're listening, let us know how you're doing. I hope you you wound up cultivating some time. And I appreciate you bringing it back to the Othello cookie. I haven't mentioned the Othello cookie in a long time. Taking a break from the Othello because I just don't think it's actually going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I tried to to crank out Devious Menace merch for Christmas, but by the time I got it together, Nora didn't want it. So there might be some really cool Devious Menace shirts available on the website. Right now, there's a lot of good merch on the website. There's some new shit being developed. A super killer Dopey Nation item is going to be available very soon. Go to uh, dopeypodcast.com. We are, of course, in a partnership with SRO Prints, a printing firm out of Cincinnati, Ohio, made up of junkies in recovery like us. So go to dopeypodcast.com, check out the merch, buy something, and go to SRO Prints if you need anything printed. And go to sroprinting.com if you uh, if you need a printer. So I love Christmas specials, and this Christmas special is incredibly special because we've got some great guests. The first one is Dopey Legend, Dopey Con Legend, fucking Recovery Legend, Brandon Novak. But real quick, before we get to Brandon, I just want to say that this episode of Dopey is brought to you by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Do you ever wish that life had a user's manual? I don't know if I do because I don't read user's manuals, but I do love to talk to people and I love therapy. I I hate feeling unsure and navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel that way, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or becoming a parent. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It could not be simpler. There's no waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dopeypodcast. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dopeypodcast. Get some help. BetterHelp. And now, without further ado, Dopey Legend, your friend and mine, sex symbol of the Dopey Nation, Brandon Novak. <laughs> the moral of that intro is be careful what the fuck you ask for. Because I was like, I'm, I loved your show. I love listening to you. And now you're right. We've become friends. And you are one of my friends that is just fucking relentless yep. when you need to make it happen. Which is why we connect. 
Right. And, and here we are, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very sick, but I would not not do this for my friend. Dude, I mean, like, relentlessness is the, is the name of the game, though, right? In addiction and recovery. What are, what are we if not <laughs> relentless? <laughs> Sometimes that's all we are. Relentlessly fucking annoying. Relentlessly possessive, relentlessly jealous, relentlessly, you know, uh, full of animosity. <laughs> it just never ends with us. Right. And also relentlessly loving, relentlessly generous. That, yeah, we'll, we'll go down with the fucking ship, no doubt. So what the fuck? What is, Chris, what is Christmas like in, in Novak's house land? You have a bunch of houses. You got a bunch of addicts running around. Is it romantic? Is it like uh, Dickensian? I imagine like people coming in from the cold with presents and stuff. What's it like over there? What's happening? Well, the landscape of this year's Christmas is is, is very different. It's unlike any other. Um, because what's happening is I'm embarking on a new endeavor. I'm opening a new business hmm. that I've not made public yet, but will very soon. And, and, and I can't wait to come on your platform to talk about it. But, um, with that being said, it's a startup and I've left my previous employment, um, which means I'm no longer getting paid. Uh, I no longer have health insurance. Um, I've, I've borrowed money. I've, I've put every dollar I had saved into this endeavor that I'm embarking on. And uh, it's funny because I have a friend that works in anthropology and he's like a really high up. He's like the third in charge of everything. And, and he calls me every once a year and he says, I'm getting these, he gets these candles. I love the candles from there. And uh, they're pretty pricey, but they smell so goddamn good. And he, he, he he himself gets it for like 50% off, but then this one day a year, he gets 40% off on the 50% off. So basically I pay pennies on the dollar for these candles and I write a check for like, you know, really three, 400 bucks and I get a box full of candles. And, uh, as Christmas got closer and my paychecks were no longer coming in, all my money invested in the startup. Unfortunately, I had to dig into my stash uh, so this year, everyone will be getting a fucking candle. <laughs> nice. What's the smell? What's the anthropology smell you like? Well, I like, I'm more of a subtle foe with candles. I don't like fruity, like vibrant, punch you in the face kind of smells. I like like the woods. Yeah. The, cedar. The vanillas. The cedar. cedar. Pine. Yeah. That's the yeah. real, that's yeah. the dank candle that's, style. That's my vibe. Uh, you know, snow fall kind of deal falls even a little stretch but really the snow winter uh wood so what's this cedar. startup are you gonna have uh addicts like selling wallets together over there what's happening <laughs> no we're gonna keep it a little bit just a little bit above the sweatshop line. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but if times get tough who the fuck knows i'm you know i'm open people are ready to work for you i know that they're ready to make wallets for you um, but but let's just put it this way it was always my dream and hopefully was going to be my end game. And, and, and my dream is coming true and the end game has arrived. Well, I'm very excited. I cannot wait to exclude. I can't wait to maybe get the exclusive on your announcement. I know we won't, but I want to get in the wake of the exclusive. Now, when you think of Christmas's past, Christmas has gone by like 
obviously you've been through a lot of fucking horrible Christmases and you've been in a lot of weird and horrible situations at Christmas. When Christmas approaches, how far in the background are those memories for you? Um, well, it's ironic. The longer I stay sober, the further away those memories get. But as to why I'm such a major fan of you and your outlet is because you never let them fade far away. (laughs) 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 The the Dopey Cod and the the Dopey Cod podcast, you know, you guys just don't let them fucking disappear. I, I saw your last post the other day. It was amazing. When when she says, how much can I get for 15 bucks? But she's cute. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's so true. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's one Christmas story that that is it, it goes down in the books. It, so every year, every holiday, every holiday, but more so Christmas is because it was really cold. I'm a big treatment center guy. I was always in a rehab during the holidays. And plus they're back to back. You have Christmas, you have New Year's, you have Thanksgiving. They're just, and they're brutal days to be homeless on the streets. And, and like even worse when you're in active addiction, living in an abandoned house on Christmas, you know, you see all these families and you're just like, you're it's like the ghost of Christmas past, remembering what your life used to look like before you became an ultimate fuck up. Totally. Totally. <laughs> um, right. So I, I had I always had the wherewithal to run my ass into treatment. So this particular this particular uh, Christmas, if this I'm telling you, this one takes the cake. It's 1999. Yeah. It's Christmas time. Uh, I am in treatment because the crackhead's house that I lived in, named Slim, over off. Eager Street in East Baltimore. They they finally I used to rent a room out from him for ten dollars a night. Whole shit piss into a bucket kind of deal, like the real fucking bottom of the bottom spots. And uh, one day the city came and they condemned it. They like literally boarded it up and and they were trying to basically what they did now today is they've demolished that block. Johns Hopkins Hospital bought all of that, but this was the beginning of that taking place. So they were coming in and just eradicating all the fucking riffraff and addicts and uh so so they kick us out but it's 1999 now if you remember y2k is predicted to hit right right 2000 so they say well if we reach 2000 the world's going to stop and shut down because uh because the computers aren't equipped to go from 99 to 2000 so i said okay here's my plan I'm going, I, don't, I, I have nowhere to go. I can't live in Slim's house anymore. I, I was renting this room for him. They boarded that up. The police are coming around the block every hour. That's a done deal. So I'll check into Johns Hopkins to detox. I'll get myself together for about a week. I will then Christmas Eve, I'll prepare myself. I'll dress warm. I'll take the pillowcase off my bed. And as soon as Y2K hits, I will AMA the detox. I'll go to the right aid around the corner, and I had already placed a crowbar around, like, in the area that I knew where it was. I was going to grab the crowbar, steal the pillowcase off my pillow, my detox bed, dress warm, you know, have showered, ate, and kind of, like, recharged, go out there, rob and loot and steal because the world's shutting down 
chaos has ensued and and I'll be able to steal everything without any repercussions, hit the pharmacies and fucking ride off into that junky sunset. I love this. Keep going, please. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I mean, at at 11.59, I'm fucking booted and suited, man. I'm ready. Pillowcase in hand, uh, dressed several layers, have put like the little to-go juices in my pocket from the hospital wing. You know, I'm ready, dude. Got my last shower because I knew it's going to be a while before I make it back to any kind of normality. And fucking 12 o'clock hits, the power stays on. The lights don't shut off. Right. 12.01 comes. I am devastated. I am. I, in my mind, I'm already looting the Rite Aid pharmacy around the corner and high as fat Charles S. 12.01, nothing. 12.02, nothing. I was completely heartbroken, man. Um, so I decided to stay in there. Okay. I had no other options. It was freezing out. I decided to stay in there while in this detox. They've decided to, to, uh, it wasn't decided. You had to, to give blood to, you know, see what's going on with your vitals and, and your health. And, and in doing that, they've now discovered that I am the, uh, award-winning recipient of hepatitis C. Yes. Okay. So now I have hepatitis. Y2K didn't hit. I'm stuck in this detox. Accepted my fate of like having to fucking stay sober because it's too cold to go back out. Okay. I make it through detox. They then put me upstairs on the wing. Now, during the day, we would stay in this wing, and at night, we'd walk back to the Maddie B. Uzzle Outreach Center. And this is all in East Baltimore. I'm like the only white kid on the block in, in, in this. And uh, now I've acquired friends in there. And every Sunday, we would go to church. But it was, again, I'm the only white guy on the, on the block, and, and the church is like the all-black churches, and there's a lot of singing. There's a lot of screaming, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, people falling out people being resurrected and but you have to look good. Now I'm starting to kind of care a little bit about my appearance because I've, I've, you know, been sober for a few days and, and they, they, they took me to get a haircut, but I didn't have anything to wear to, to church on, on Sunday. So they gave me this, this blue, uh, like baby blue, uh, like silk. Yes. Literally silk, uh, button up like nice dress shirt with the, with blue uh, silk baby blue dress slacks, um, the matching these, blues, the silk blues, yes, the up, matching, up up and yeah, down, but yes. like, yeah, but like light light blue, not like dark blue, light blue. And then one of the other guys had some old like um, used gaiters, uh, gator skin like shoes. you know shoes. So he's I've now got these on, and before I. Uh, this Sunday we're going to church, but we also get the family visits. So of course I'm proud. I want to show my mother how good I'm doing and how well I look. So, right. so I call her and invite her to the hospital to see me. And and she comes up to Johns Hopkins and she sees me. And during this visit, how I'm while I'm telling her how well I'm doing, I also decide to share with her that it's it's the appropriate time to tell her that I've uh, contracted hepatitis C. Right. So, so I got this fucking silk baby blue suit on top bottom with these used gaiters 
fit shoes that don't fit me uh, with gator skin. I had this really weird haircut. My mother, and I'm like not even two weeks sober at this point. My mother is just so distraught and heartbroken. And and I think that I'm doing amazing. Well, and you, I the, the fucked up thing her. is you kind of were, right? You kind of... Yeah, you kind of were at that so moment. So I decided, Mom, I, I've got hepatitis, but it's okay because uh, I'm in detox, and they have me in this little room because you couldn't leave the hospital, but they had these little smoking rooms, like in airports. So you you know that you get the rooms where you can smoke in the airports, yeah, some totally. still. Uh-huh. Very similar to that. So I'm sitting in there. I'm fucking gunning down Marlboro Reds in this silk baby blue suit with these gator skin shoes on that don't fit, and, and I'm sharing with her how amazing my life's going to be. And by the way, I have hepatitis, but it's okay. <laughs> Um, so, so that, you know, is, it's, it's a picture within itself, but, but here's the, the icing on this whole cake, the cherry, if you will, two weeks into me staying on this hospital wing at, at Johns Hopkins hospital and then sleeping at the Maddie B. Uzzle, it's a specific wing for, for addicts and for psychiatric unit, mental health disorders. And, and we're not supposed to intermingle or coincide, but I've now taken a ring and got, you know, created this ring of, of selling cigarettes to the psych patients and the, and the ones there with the mental health issues. And I've become friendly with this rather large, uh, heavy set black woman. Okay. And, um, and now it's it's uh you know we've we've made it through christmas it's it's uh I've, I've, and it's coming up new year's eve now my brother doesn't do anything for christmas but for new year's eve he has this this big dinner party at his house and my brother is an attorney in the white house he practices pensions and benefits his wife is also a very very high esteemed attorney in dc who who largely in part was responsible, one of the attorneys responsible for, for drafting and creating Obamacare. Okay. So they're very like well high-end, highbrow falutin attorneys in D.C. And, and they throw this every year, this very nice dinner party. Um, you know, it's, it's catered. There's employees serving hors d'oeuvres and drinks and the who's who in that world. And now I guess my brother had taken some sympathy on, on, on me this year and how bad things were. So he extended the invite to me to come to this party. After all, he knew that I was in, in rehab. And, and if the rehab granted me permission to go, then he was going to allow me to come as long as my mother supervised and vouched for me. So my mother supervised and vouched. The facility granted me a permit and I thought that it would only make sense that I also invite this really rather large, heavy set black woman that I've now become very friendly with. Um, how do you how do you suppose the invitation to her? Like, what do you say to her? Well, I'm I'm keep in mind I've gotten to know her by selling her loose cigarettes in the psychiatric yes. unit of yes. of the detox wing of Johns Hopkins Hospital for a dollar a piece. So. You know, and in between that, we started hooking up and fucking in the bathroom and, nice. and doing all these things. So I, you know, it, 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 I couldn't even remember how the invitation was extended. But here's how it plays out. They also grant 
her permission to accompany me to this this party that my brother, this this high-powered attorney in D.C., is throwing, as long as we're chaperoned. Now, my mother's agreed to pick us up, take us, and bring us back. But what I haven't shared with anybody yet is that the woman, one of her issues that she suffers with is Tourette's. So I can't believe she, I cannot believe I haven't heard this story before. But keep going, please. I just never really thought. I, I, there's so many of these, but this is a Christmas one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so now we're leaving Johns Hopkins Hospital. My mother picks me up in her Nissan Altima. I have my baby blue silk suit on with the gaiters that I wear to church on the weekends. She dresses up in, in a dress of whatever. My mother, I didn't even tell her that she was coming. I now, we walk out of the emergency room hand in hand, almost like we had just got married in the fucking chapel. My mother is just like, she doesn't even bother asking. <laughs> we get to my brother's house. We all sit down for this lavish meal. And as they're doing the prayer in the beginning, she starts screaming violently. Leave me alone. Stop. <laughs> no. Take me home. I hate you. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All of this. Right. During this prayer. So finally, things got so bad there that my mother pulled me aside. She said, Brandon, here's $100. Go finish your night somewhere else and please make sure you get back to the hospital. Wow. So I took the hundred bucks. We got uh, we got the train from DC back to Baltimore. I went to Tyrone's Chicken where I bought a fifty dollar chicken box. We went back to her place, which was right next to the hospital. Said hi to her kids, gave the kids her chicken. The chicken went upstairs in her bedroom, proceeded to fuck for a couple hours. And then made it back to our wing on the hospital just in time for curfew. Without without using. Without using. It's incredible. It's incredible. Without using. It's incredible. It's an incredible story. Because it's like, <laughs> and, and, and how does, have you ever gone over this story with your mother afterwards? Uh, no, I think once or twice in passing. Oh, because your mother but, has to deal with you your whole life, and like here you are, fresh. Did you? Oh, did you wear the baby blue outfit with the gators to the party? Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, I said that. Okay, I missed yeah, yeah. I, that because that's that's the only nice suit that I had, and and I had to look presentable, and you know, so I wore it to. I would wear it to church on the weekends, where where when I would go to church with all all the my brothers from the facility, again being the only white guy. I'd walk up to the front, you know, when they ask if anyone wants to be saved, and I'd go up there, and they'd start putting their hand on me and singing and dancing and trying to throw the Holy Ghost into me or nice. pull it out of me. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, like, fully bought into every aspect of this. No, it sounds incredible. I, I've never been to a situation like that. That sounds incredible, but my favorite part is that your mother gives you 100 bucks, just hoping that you'll leave and, and that you won't use. And you didn't use, you made it, you made it back in. 
which is like I went and I bought 50 bucks worth of Tyrone's chicken then we went to her house gave it to her kids and while our kids ate the chicken we went upstairs and fucked and then uh and then made it back yeah well dude uh I love it I appreciate that are you coming through that's a serious fucking uh drug addicts Christmas I think there we're missing out on the on some kind of show about a drug addicts Christmas it's just so there's something so romantic about it isn't there something romantic about being a drug addict at Christmas time. Well, I love addiction so much that I can romanticize any part of it. Right. You know what I mean? Personally, like I, I can romanticize a, a fucking junkie waking up ill and Me shitting too. himself. Me too. Me too. <laughs> There's something wrong with us. Right. But like, I, I think in the holidays, I always could get a little bit of money. You know what I mean? Like I always could come up with something and, sure. uh, and people and the, will take mercy on us, <laughs> right? And, and Hanukkah is just night after night of money, so you could kind of come up with it here or there, <laughs> and like, and you can stay. I mean, I, I I was in in treatment a couple of Christmases, but like I managed to like cobble together. I just there's something romantic about coming home with drugs at Christmas. I mean, I, I can imagine there's something romantic about going back to that spot to Slim's at Christmas surviving i don't know i i'm i am a romantic oh, with the shit i am a romantic no i get it you know because there was nothing better than a, a good day's hustle coming home with a pocket full of score you know like the all is right with the world you know for you going back to your father's place which was like you know on the 20th or 30th floor basically overlooking the whole city while you sit there and get higher. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Ah. Yeah. I mean like it, it is what it is. It's, it's, it, there's a lot of romance and a lot of misery, but uh, I always appreciate you coming through and I didn't get to say, you know, what a tremendous job at DopeyCon you did. And you got really sick, but you were so great there. It was, it was like, dude. there's a pattern here. I never get sick, but as soon as you enter into my life and you reach out to me, uh, bam. Uh, it's, it's happenstance. You can't, we can't, it has to, it's, it's, come on, come on. But like, dude, you were so good at DopeyCon. Uh, so many, and you, and you've become quite a sex symbol to the Dopey Nation. I don't know if you know this, but you, you've hit quite a, a stir in the Dopey Nation. So I want to thank you for that. And wasn't DopeyCon way better than you thought it would be? Dude, it was amazing. The fact that it was in a church speaks volumes. Right. That that alone in itself was like, dude, this is the deal. It was very New Yorkish, kind of like ahead of the curve, cutting edge. Well, we're gonna do it again next year. Circle type we're, shit. We're doing it again next year, and you gotta fucking come, okay? Oh, I'll be, I'm gonna come. Don't you worry. Just right. no, <laughs> relax. Just relax. Okay. Um, <laughs> you got me all hot and bothered saying I'm like the sex symbol of the DopeyCon. I, I think you were. I think you've 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 like earned a bunch of like men and women who are like holy shit, Brandon Novak. Somebody said that we should do a contest and the winner gets a kiss from Brandon Novak. Mm, right. I like that. All right. So you might be interested when you get well. I'll show up. All right. There we go. He's gonna. Sh he shows up. He's sober. He suits up. He shows up. There's a. There's an endeavor right around the corner. I cannot wait for the announcement. And uh. And yes. merry. And merry fucking Christmas, Brandon Novak. You never hey, disappoint. You too, man. I. I, uh, I. I say it to a lot of people, but I genuinely mean it when I say I, I do like you as a person, as a human being, and I look forward to talking to you. <laughs> you. You always keep me interested. All right. Well, I appreciate that. So thank you. You the same. Well, I think. I think. Uh. 
I think actually getting together in person was, was very good for our relationship. Definitely. All Definitely. Right. And, uh, and I can't wait to hear about the endeavor. What are you going to do for Christmas? Uh, I'm going to my, my brother's house, the same one I had. Dude. <laughs> we're, we're headed to DC. Yeah. You have to tell the story. You have to. Maybe <laughs> you should no do. To, no, maybe you no should do. You, that, you, you, you could do the Tourette's thing during the prayer. Do you think you'd get Dude, a laugh? I, re I read the room, and, and this was the audience that deserved this story. <laughs> that room is not going to want or deserve that story. <laughs> well, listen, I know it's going to replay in your head, and I appreciate that. We it are does. We are the room. We are the room for that story. I love it. All right, man. I love it. Enjoy the I fucking love it. holidays. I love you. I love you, too. I missed, like, 10 calls. I got to take these. Get out of here. Later. Thanks. God bless. Bye. Bye. There he is, dopey legend and sex symbol. Brandon Novak. This guy's cooking with gas. He's he's on the phone with us. The phone is ringing. He's on his next thing. Brandon is constantly moving, and I cannot thank him enough. I thought that was a great Christmas story. I love Christmas and dopey. And one thing that makes Christmas so good is food. And an incredible place to get your food is, of course, ButcherBox.com. ButcherBox.com has the meat. The real serious high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. They guarantee peace of mind. 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, humanely raised with no antibiotics. ButcherBox, man, like, I can do ads, but ButcherBox is a whole other thing. It's a box of delicious food. It's a box of delicious meat. They sent us a box with steak and ribs, and we made a huge feast. Ridiculously good. Fucking hell. A feast of barbecue ribs and delicious steak and chicken and burgers. That's my favorite thing about ButcherBox. It's an amazing product. Not to mention it came to my door. It's incredibly reasonably priced. It's delicious. I'm like fucking starving right now. But I'm so excited that ButcherBox is our sponsor. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash dopey and use the code dopey to get 10% off your first box and ground beef for life of your membership. That's butcherbox.com slash dopey and use the code dopey to claim this deal. It's really good. I, I wouldn't just, I, maybe I would say it, just say it, but I'm not just saying it. I've gotten it. It's amazing. I cannot wait to get another box from ButcherBox. You should get one too. I've been doing a lot more of these uh, Zooms lately. I've been participating more in Zooms, and I have to say I've really enjoyed it. I've been doing the Sober Buddy Zoom, and I've been doing my Dopey Patreon Zoom, and I even did a Dopey Nation Zoom. I'm enjoying connecting with the Dopey Nation. Everybody, like, they never shut up about our community this and our community that. But it's true. We have this really cool community. And if you're a part of it, go to the, the Dopey Nation Zooms. Go to the Sober Buddy Zooms. Join Patreon, for Christ's sake. Recently on Patreon, uh, me and Aaron uh, addressed the, the Johnny Jukebox fucking debacle. And it's free on Patreon. I also put up an extra Ask Aaron on Patreon, plus me in the year 2000 at the Sidewalk Cafe where Ray Brown got his first uh, action in the music scene. Definitely not his first action. My point is that Dopey Nation is just a bunch of junkies and alcoholics and people who like junkies and alcoholics. 
And here's some more of them now. What's up, Dopey Nation? It's your old friend, Dopey Drez. Just checking in. Did you hear that snort? That was nice. Um, I think it's time for a reappearance on the Dopey Podcast. Dave, hook it up. Because uh, I miss you guys. And I love you guys. And so I just wanted to say happy holidays and Merry Christmas or Christmas or Happy Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or the solstice or whatever you're celebrating. And if you've got a touch of the holiday blues, I can feel that. But we're resilient and we get through it together. Um, So uh, I hope to uh, connect soon. Sending you all my love from fucking Pasadena, California. And um, stay strong, Dopey Nation. Toodles for Chris. Hey, what's up? This is Jed from Church and Other Drugs. Just wanted to wish the Dopey Nation a very Merry Christmas and Dave a Happy Hanukkah. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and toodles for Chris. Hi, Dopey Nation. It's David Marshalani from Sydney, Australia. I just want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thanks to Dave for the podcast, the Dopey Zoom host for the Dopey Zoom meetings and for, and to you all for being the very best people that I've ever had the pleasure to encounter. Um, thanks. I love you all. Merry Christmas. Love to hear from the Dopey Nation. Again, if you want to be included on a new episode of the Dopey Show, send in a voicemail to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Send in a story. Send in a greeting. Call the new Dopey Hotline. Should I find the hotline number again? It's under a bunch of stuff over here. Um, oh, God. Where is it? Here we go. The new Dopey Hotline, 631-699-5142. I'm, like, dreading what's going to happen with the hotline. We have another special guest in the Dopey Nation, not in this continent. She has an incredible Instagram account. Her name is Lowe's. Her Instagram account is called Brutal Recovery, and here she is, Lowe's, from Brutal Recovery, from Scotland. All right. I'm on the Zoom with Lowe's from Brutal Recovery, my favorite Scottish person. Welcome back to the show. So good to be here. It is the Christmas episode of Dopey, and I don't know why. I sort of feel like with the UK, there's just some sort of Christmassy feeling to the UK. What is Christmas like in the UK in general? You know, actually, so uh, at my, so I'm in my family home right now, which is, uh, which is a farmhouse. As I said in my episode, I'm a rural junkie. So two of my, my friend, my oldest friend was visiting uh, and my boyfriend is visiting as well. And they, you know, we just went for a walk around the fields and it's like a little bit frosty. It's like a little bit icy. And they were just like, this isn't real. Like this is an actual fantasy that we're in right now. Yeah, and I, I live in London now, and I definitely felt that. Like when I was, uh, there was a wee night, like I was hanging out at a friend's house, and I walked home, and it started snowing, and it was just, it's just those like uh, street lights, like you know those like raw iron black street lamps when snow is falling on them, and it's just like a Dickens book. Yeah, it was just heavenly, but uh, yeah, I'm a big Christmas person actually. Like I'm absolutely mad about Christmas. I love it, and I think. I do believe in the magic. And like, even when I was drinking and using, like, I still, I mean, I loved Christmas when I was drinking and using because I could take absolutely everything to the extreme. Uh, but even like as a sober person now, like, I just absolutely love it. I am a winter. Like, I just, just being in the winter time is absolutely my happy place. 
That's nice. You know, I'm I'm a very Jewish person and I love Christmas. I love the magic of Christmas. <laughs> I love the whole thing. Just it courses through me the most wonderful time of the year bullshit. And it's also just like a chance for the the idea that things can be better, right? That it's a time where people can actually be better. It's it's a great fantasy, but at the same time I really loved using during the holidays and not because I was ducking out, but because it's like you get all that holiday magic plus you get to be high during it. Right. Right. I totally get that. Cause like I am a cozy person. Like all I want to be is like under a blanket, cozy by myself, not doing anything. So that plus drugs is like my heaven. So like when the time of the year is a cozy time of year. It just those two things mixed together. I just feel like as a uh, by nature cozy person, when we get to like the Christmas time of year, the world is catching up to me. Like I've been this cozy all year, but I've been having to go about and do fucking activities. And I don't have to do that at this time of year, which which is just delightful. Right. The worst part is that when we're in our deepest, most cozy, our families are not so thrilled if we're you know what I mean? Like it's only cozy. It's a one-sided coziness. Can you recall any brutal addiction, alcoholic Christmases of your? Oh my God. I, um, my living amends to my family will eternally be not being a nightmare at Christmas. Like I, <laughs> so there's some Christmases that I ruined by, I was like white knuckling sobriety. Like I wasn't like seeking for help. I was lying about being sober. Like I was like trying so hard to not fuck up that I didn't want to tell people that I was trying not to drink. So I was just like not drinking and just furious about it. So I would be hostile. I would be aggressive. I would lock myself in my room, just like not talk to anyone. And then this this is so horrible. Like I brought um one of those years that I was like white knuckle and sobriety. Um, I brought a boy boyfriend home. I didn't really like him like we we'd been together for a wee while but like it was a relationship that was on the out like we were not for lasting and I just remember like I kept bringing him up to my room to like have sex with him because I was like I can't bear to be with my family I can't bear to be alone and I really can't bear to be with you but like you're just gonna have to do right now and I hate that he is in my family Christmas photos for the rest of my life and he was literally just there to like take my mind off drinking Oh God, it was absolutely horrendous. But yeah, like I worked in retail around Christmas for uh, the most messy parts of my drinking and using. So like it was always like a complete bacchanal, like the week before Christmas, because, you know, we were dealing with the most stressful people of all time. Uh, and then we had to serve them and try and be affable, lovely people in, in retail and like my disposition was not of that. So we would just go absolutely mental on the nights out. So I would just kind of crawl home on Christmas Eve, like drag myself to church and then just be an absolute nightmare for the whole day. <laughs> like, there's a picture my sister just sent me. And I always thought this was like a, you know, a decent picture of me, but like I was looking at it and it's me and my sister were hugging in front of the tree. And it actually looked like Chewbacca from Star Wars. I'm going to send you this picture because I just like, my hair is matted and I'm just like looking at like absolute death. So that was like my Christmas vibe. I've got a little bit more energy now. <laughs> I love the idea of the, you use the boyfriend to get through Christmas as a substance and he's in your Christmas photos. I mean, so many people have Christmas photos of them drinking, but you rarely find like a Christmas photo of like having drugs. <laughs> it's like having a Christmas tree with like a syringe next to you or something. And that's what the boyfriend was at <laughs> that point. Right. 
he was uh yeah yeah. exactly but uh lucky him (laughs) you know i think that's an underrated thing when we look back at christmas pasts of our youth and see who was that person (laughs) where did they come from why were they there i love that In, in terms of retail and customers i mean like that's my life Right now, Ooh. I'm fucking chained to this customer. You know what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find the service end of customer service. Like I'm trying to be oh. of service in this horrible world of customer service. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's like somebody's complaining. They're like, we just got our pastrami and it's all, it's in shreds. It's in, no, she said, it's in shards. It's not even slices. It's in shards. And I was like, okay, lady. I can fix it. And she just kept complaining. And I'm just like, I can fix it. I just want to be like, fuck you. Let me fix it. Stop complaining. But then I'm like, no service. Next right thing. Be of service. Um, and, and I, and I actually do feel good to be of service. Now you are a budding advice columnist, an Instagram giant. What advice, how would you direct people who are on the fence or who are struggling this holiday season, what are some tips and brutal recovery holiday coping tips? Holiday coping tips. Well, don't start dating someone just so you can bring them down for Christmas. And uh, that's, I wouldn't recommend that. So what I would recommend and what uh, I've been, you know, suggesting to my sponsors and people that have been asking me is remind yourself like that you're an adult and you have agency. Mm. Uh, this is actually really funny that I should be saying this because uh, I just had like a teenage moment like with with my mom my mom I was like okay if you've got any shoes in that cupboard like could you take those shoes out of the cupboard and I was like you've asked me to do that before I've not bought any shoes in that cupboard <laughs> you know regression so what I will be working on alongside everyone is just not regressing and reminding yourself that you're an adult which is like you know with kind of like peer pressure and coercion you know in the realm of someone wanting to take a drink uh or you know friends from high school that want to go get high with you like if you don't want to do that like you can say no like you will not burst into flames if you put in a healthy boundary with someone and it does take practice for me anytime that I don't feel a part of somewhere so if my high school friends were to be like hey do you want to come down to the forest and like drink tins like I would you know I I would love to be like, oh my God, I want to feel a part of. So then I've got to think, okay, what can I feel a part of to like satisfy that need? So like I can, you know, safely be a part of my old drinking and using scene. So I've got to feel safely part of my recovery scene or part of my family as our relationship is now where, yeah, so just like feel your belonging. Uh, and it's probably not your old high school friends that want to go do drugs with you. You're an adult with agency. Boundaries are kind for other people because it means that you're not blaming people for stuff that you did to yourself and uh, clear is kind so be very clear when you're saying to people like what you need or what you would like or what you would like to do for them you know no ambiguity just be very clear that's the kindest thing to be I agree I think that's great brutal recovery advice (laughs) do you hear from your old using and drinking buddies when you come home no, I don't. The majority, no, not the majority of them are dead, but like, you know, some of them are dead and some of them have moved to shittier towns. So I don't really hear from them because I went away to university. I kind of got uh, exiled. That's a really dramatic word, but it was kind of like, you know, she's not one of us anymore. So that's not so much a problem for me anymore. But 
yeah, it's definitely, you know, when I was first coming home Christmas, sober, like my first year. I hear you. And you live in London most of the time. So obviously you have a community, a sober community in London. Do you have a scene at home? Like, who are you chilling with when you go home? Uh, they, so the recovery scene in my hometown, which is a small town of about 9,000 elderly people. And sheep, is right? not Lots this, of sheep in the town. Sheep. Yes. So many sheep, tens of thousands of sheep. Yeah, so I, it's not like in London where you throw a stone and you hit a sober person, you know, like it's, it's London recovery is ginormous. So it's a very different scene here. So I really, really have to like up my outreach. I really have to up my Zoom meetings. And I really, you know, have my, I make it very, very explicit to my friends that I will isolate myself. I will tell myself that, you know, I am totally alone in this universe. But, you know, anytime I go and do, you know, talk to sober people in the rural communities, it's actually really nice because like, I'm a farmer, like deep down, I'm actually a farmer. Like I love this bougie, sober uh, London life now, but I'm actually just a farmer. So I do, I do love the, you know, the recovery scene here could not be more different than my one in London, but I love it all the same. Yeah, I'm really lucky that me and my siblings really get along. My, neither of them, they don't have any alcohol, drug issues. So they're nice to be around. And yeah, I've got, I remember, you know, when we recorded like my main episode for Dope, I'd just gone on a date with that guy. Um, yes. He's now my boyfriend. And so he's, he's, he's here. So, so I've got him and he's, he's a very healthy influence for me. So. That's exciting. Well, congratulations. That's very exciting because <laughs> it feels like it's connected yes. to our our last uh, recording and, and you're with him and he came for Christmas. So he's going to be in Christmas photos this year. <laughs> It'll be way better. So, yeah. And as we said, like when we were just chatting at the start, I am so ready for this year to be done. I'm so tired. It's cozy time. Well, that's the best. The best. I mean, as soon as December starts, I'm like, okay. Let's wrap it up the year. Let's be done with this year. Cause I mean, but the other weird thing that I've been thinking about is right. I love the end of the year. I love Christmas. I love new year's. I love being done with the year, but something that's just crossing my mind as I get older is we only have so many years in general, like when this one is done, you know what I mean? It's like this weird kind of existential thing. And I never thought about that. I was talking to a guy at work and I was like, you know, I'm so I was like, I'm so happy the year's over. And then I was like, but wait a second, we're running out of years to have. But I mean, I'm much older than you are, but you know what I'm saying. I had this kind of weird existential moment when uh, I was doing my tax return and there was a portal for like seeing when you got your pension. And it said like, oh, you're getting your pension in like 2065. And I was like, oh, that's ages away. And then I was like, but is it? Right. Like, but, but is it? It's wild. It's <laughs> wild. And you know what else, though, what's really annoying me is you could have been at DopeyCon and you had a wedding. Um, so next year, can we get a commitment that you will not only be at DopeyCon, but you will sing at DopeyCon? I would love more than anything to sing at DopeyCon. And I was so gutted I couldn't make DopeyCon. I saw every single post about it. So just like, why am I not there? So I will be there next year. I will be singing the Dopey opera nice. that we've I've been making the Dopey Opera. It will be, it'll be talked about for years to come. So yeah, 2023, yeah, 2023, that's year we're going into. It's going to happen. Well, I cannot wait. And Lowe's, I'm so happy you came on for our little Christmas thing. And there's exciting things happening. Do you want to tell the world about what's happening in the brutal recovery universe or not yet? Is it too soon to talk about it? Oh, 
do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna manifest it. I'm gonna intone it, like because as as we said, like everything good that we talked about in the last episode turned into something good. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna chuck it out there. Yeah. So I um I'm writing a book right now. I'm seeking uh, representation for. I'm not really sure what to call the book yet. So I've got two working titles. I've got um, The Unexpected Brutality of Being Sober, which is obviously like a play on the unexpected joy because as joyful as it is, I was not prepared for how hard it was going to be at first. Um, The other working title is uh, The No Lost Causes Club because as a former lost cause, I want to tell other people that consider themselves lost causes that there is no such thing as a lost cause yeah so it's gonna just be kind of like a modern uh, guidebook to sobriety and just like uh talking about all the stuff that we don't really hear about like relationships and uh sex and you know eating all, all this stuff that's associated with the larger umbrella of sobriety and just some lived experience some practical advice uh and some hilarious stories so i'm working on that and yeah just trying to uh, I'm also plugging away at my Patreon. My Patreon is getting hefty. There's about 450 uh, articles, stories, videos. Uh, I'm also continuing to upload my singing course. So if anyone's um, interested in singing, I have a weekly singing course on there where I teach voice from a trauma-informed perspective based on my training as an opera singer. So yeah, I'm just I'm just looking forward to the future of doing more recovery stuff and funny internet shit. That's what we're here for. What is trauma-informed singing like? What is that about? So basically, singing is a connection to yourself, someone else, and someone higher than yourself, So, which is music. So it's the most you know connective, beautiful thing of all time. But if your body or mind has endured some lasting chronic or you know circumstantial trauma there's going to be difficulty in connecting to your body so when I was doing my master's degree in singing I collaborated with a doctor who you know we talked about the five principles of singing and how trauma could impact every one of those principles and how we gently work through those so that not only are we learning how to sing you know we're learning how to make music and be creative we're also holding the space for the body to have its own experiences and safely navigate them in an art form, which is expressive in itself and reclaiming power in itself. Because when your body has been armored or broken down by trauma, like gently opening it with music is one of the most empowering things that you can do. I love it. And how, how do they find your Patreon on singing? What is it? They, oh, well, it's, it's the same Patreon for my all my usual stuff. So if you do sign up for the singing course, you get all of my usual stuff as well. It's just uh, patreon.com slash brutal recovery and scroll all the way down to the tier, which is surrender, discipline, flow. Nice. So those are two things that you need. You need discipline and surrender. I think I and might sign flow. up. I think I might sign up for that because I, I, yeah. I want to sing, <laughs> sing better. And then the other thing, why don't you just call the book Brutal Recovery? That, that would be simpler, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like, just, just call just it Brutal Recovery. Sense. It's like you have a brand. Everybody loves it. I think, I mean, that's my two cents. Yeah. I'm going to call my book probably dopey or the dopey book so are you working on a book yeah but i've been working on a book for a long time and i'm not it's i, I find it that. i find it so I, I mean i don't put in i i was putting in a lot of time writing and i'm not putting in a lot of time writing and i'm feeling annoyed at myself because i'm fearful of not flowing in my writing but i just need to put more time into it i'm doing too many things and there will be a book i just need to get better at writing i need to just put more time actually sure. doing it but yeah yeah hopefully of course you are like that's just that's just 
inevitable. That's going to be an amazing book. Maybe maybe we could it. be on maybe we can be on some kind of book tour together one day. Giving me ideas though. See, it's the disciplines for me. Like with writing, like I set myself like I want to do an hour of writing a day, and I like split it up into two half hour sections. And it's like it's just getting started for me. Once I'm started. I'm away with it. Like it's fine. It's fabulous. I'm flowing. Uh, but try getting me started onto that. Oh, Are you man. there? Are you doing an hour a day? I am there currently. I, I, I'm really, really trying to keep it up the festive period. But like when I was traveling there, I kind of like did like 10 minutes of typing, then like 25 minutes of looking at a wall for a situation. So, right. right. Yeah. But it's a process. That's it's exciting. Good. This is exciting. We should lean on each other for, uh, for writing support. And, and other support. So this is good. I cannot thank you enough for being on our Christmas cavalcade. My pleasure. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too. And Merry Christmas to Dopey Nation. All right. Lowe's from Brutal Recovery. I love, uh, I love that we get people from all over the world. I love what Lowe's does on Brutal Recovery. And she's an opera singer. And she's a brilliant woman in recovery. And if you never heard her episode on Dopey, go back and listen to her episode. I got this note from another recovering alcoholic in the UK from Spotify. I can't find her name, but I like the note. She wrote, Hi Dave, I found your show after doing what I'm sure many of your fans do and just typed sober into Spotify. And after what felt like an eternity of dry, boring podcasts with no chemistry, I came across you guys. What you had was pure genius. I walk a lot and listen to about four hours of podcasts a day. Yours is and may always be my absolute favorite. In many ways, I'm very different to the Dopey Nation and you, but in some ways we're very alike. I've never used heroin or been afflicted by drugs per se, but I battle with bulimia, binge eating, and over-exercising for more than 20 years. I know it sounds weird, but when I listen to your show, I relate a lot to the stories. That visceral desperation an impulse that comes through each tale seems familiar to my bulimic brain, and I feel oddly comforted by the connection. I honestly think our brains work in a similar way around addiction, even though my substance is legal. You don't have to believe that, but I enjoy listening to your show nonetheless. I believe it. I'm like addicted to, to food. Anyway, I can't believe how much I laugh when I hear you and Chris do your shtick. It's pure, unspoiled genius. I am not a New Yorker but a proud Londoner and your stories of Long Island and tales of the city are hysterical. They remind me of when I visit smaller towns in England. You're hysterical. Wow, it's too hysterical. That's nice. I'm also a neurotic Jew with a similar sense of humor. My mom has also passed, so hearing you talk about yours brings me more comfort. Comfort. Uh, being so neurotic, I too adore smoking weed. I just did six weeks completely sober, but still not ready to give up weed completely yet. I used to smoke all weekend, every weekend, but in the last six months, it's been averaging at, a, at about once every couple of weeks. It's been very hard, and something tells me that if I go completely sober, it'll be easier, but I'm just too scared. These last six weeks have been challenging, but good things came from it. So maybe I should just pull my socks up and go to a meeting. You may have just inspired me. I have recently celebrated over six months binge eating free and over seven months off alcohol. I also had a slight drinking problem that gave me the most dopey stories of my life. Tame compared to yours, but fucked up nonetheless. See, I think that's a beautiful note. And I think, um, you know, abstinence, I, I, it's, it's, it's funny that people are like, 
you push abstinence or you push harm reduction or you push whatever. And uh, something that Chris always would say, and I didn't see it then, but I see it now, is that there's many, many phases moving forward. There was a time where I was on methadone, obviously, that I talk about all the time. There was a time where I just smoked weed. There was a time where I did pills. There was a time when I did Suboxone. And now I'm abstinent, and, like, abstinence works for me. I don't know that it'll work for you. I know that for me, not taking any mood or mind-altering substances allows me to focus on all of the things that I like to do. It reminds me of the of that ad for... Uh, evolution, accounting, and consulting. I've been doing, uh, but all of these these messages remind me of this other app that I've been on, and I've been advertising them for free, to be honest with you. It's an app called Sober Together, and it's basic, and it's a free app, and I've been advertising them for free because I think what they do is pretty amazing. You can sign up to, at Sober Together, which is in the app store, and you check in with video and they write, and then it goes to this community of addicts and alcoholics and they write you back with video. And it's incredible because it's also a bunch of dopey people in there and you can actually see them talk to you and leave a message. And it's a nice community. And there's this guy, I read an email. No, I read an Instagram message from him a while ago. His name is Marcelo and he's from Argentina. And uh, I saw him on Sober Together, and it's just, it's the coolest thing. And he, he sent in this message to Dopey Nation. It's awesome because, yes, we have international listeners, and it's amazing to hear from them, to hear from you guys. So I'm going to tell you again, send in your messages to dopeypodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on the new Dopey hotline, 631-699-5142. Here is Marcelo speaking English and Spanish from Argentina. Marcelo here, an addict, an alcoholic. Um, so, um, quiero desearle una feliz Navidad a todos. I am Merry Christmas for everyone. Uh, thanks for Dope, Dope Podcast and Dope Nation Army. Thank you for Dave. Thanks for Dave. I am in Sober Together. I am. Uh, la gente me ayuda mucho. Dentro de la aplicación me ayudan un montón. I, I am listening to Dopey Podcast. And I am. My heart I'm very strong. Mi, mi corazón se hace mucho más fuerte. Y. Bueno, I am here at the work in Argentina. Buenos Aires. So Marcelo's message cuts off, but it's a video, and it's just like his Sober Together videos. It's just him in this field in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and that's kind of how the Sober Together app works. So if you're looking for a way to connect with addicts and kind of not have to talk to anybody but get spoken to and see people, go to SoberTogether.com or go to uh, the App Store and download the Sober Together app. Tons of dopes. It's pretty sweet. And um, putting together this Christmas episode, and I got this voicemail from this guy, and it's like, it is uh, it is not a drug story, it's an alcohol story, and it's kind of a 12-step story, and it's really, really crazy. The guy's name is Luke, 
It's a Christmas miracle I got this story. Here it is. What's up, Dopey Nation? My name is Luke, and I'm an addict. Uh, I'm a native Vermonter living in Connecticut for the last six years. Sometimes I have to to set that straight. Um, <laughs> man, I love Vermont, and I miss it. But uh, living here with family. Anyways, Dave, I love this show, and uh, I just absolutely... Um, I look forward to every, you know, every episode, every week. I found you about six months ago um, as I've been in, uh, been in recovery for only a year. Um, but I've been doing really well. A couple hiccups, but uh, feeling strong, man. So thank you so much for, the, for all the, for the tears and the laughter and, and, and all, the, all the juicy, dopey shit to think about. It's been really good for me. I've got a story here about... Um, it just feels like it's right up Dopey Alley, and it's it's a holiday story, so I'm going to just throw it out there. Um, I don't know if I'll catch you for Christmas, but anyways, so for, um, so, so I, you know, I'm an alcoholic and an addict. I haven't drank in three and a half years, but I've been um, in recovery from my cocaine habit for the last year, and, uh, you know, I built up a lot of momentum over the, over 20 plus years using hard and uh one place i would use real hard was in new york city um as i sold christmas trees um consistently you know for over 20 years i worked at one particular cathedral selling trees um not affiliated with the church but um working closely with them with access to the church and everything um, beautiful cathedral. It was featured in Sopranos episodes and things like that. Real classic Brooklyn Carroll Gardens um, scene. Anyways, uh, to say the least, there was a lot of debauchery over the years. You know, it's a, it's a hard, hard working job looking at, you know, 14, 15 hour days, um, staying in the city wherever, you know, sleeping in the church for years, sleeping at friends' places, you know, uh, and and graduating into uh, remembering that I'm an adult and I could get my own place for the season. That was that was that was nicer. But a lot of uh a lot of drug use and drinking going on for me, burning that candle at every end I could. Um this one story in particular uh, took place probably about 20 years ago, maybe 15, 18, 20 years ago. Uh, my father used to come down and work on the busy weekends with me, and we would go out hit hard hitting, drinking hard. And uh, this story doesn't involve coke, but um, we just would we just hit it. And I don't remember exactly what we did this particular Friday or Saturday night. Well, this would have been Friday night. But we went out, we hit it hard. Came home, you know, three, four in the morning you know, shit faced. And I fumbled our way into the church where we were going to stay, uh, in this cathedral, you know, and, and, uh, and what I would do is I had access to the main hall. We go in and fire up the pipe organ and we're <laughs> ripping on the pipe organ. And, uh, when that lost, uh, when we lost interest with that, you know, it was time for bed. I would drag these, these velvet, church pew seat you know pads off of the pews and uh and went to make a bed for us to lay down and it was but it was too fucking cold in the church 
this particular night and we were freezing. So there was an adjacent um, room off of that main part of the church that was used for different community events. And um, there was a preschool that had been in there at one point, but it was heated anyways. It was across the hall. It was just another section of the, the building. And, and I decided that's where we needed to sleep. And we were rip-roaring drunk. And so I pulled the, pull the pews in there. Dad's got one. We got one sleeping bag for the two of us. So we unzipped that and we stripped down. I got fat dad in his, in his holy friggin' underwear, which is very, very uh, appropriate for the church, you know, holy underwear. And we, we, I didn't think much of it. I was tight with my dad. We partied. We drank hard together all the time. We laughed ourselves to sleep, spooning on these church pews in this warm room. Well, the interesting part comes when I wake up to the smell of coffee and, you know, there's something percolating. I can hear some voices. The lights are on. It's time to get up and, and uh, bang out another 15-hour day with this, you know, little hair of the dog and get through this hangover. And I realize there's all these people in the room and there's chairs set up all around us. We're in the center of the fucking room. And lo and behold, we are uh, rubbing our eyes and waking up in our snuggling as father and son in our underwear in the middle of an AA meeting. So we shot up like fucking (laughs) as fast as we could. And without even getting dressed, we dragged our sleeping bag and our church pews out of that room, uh, you know, laughing probably, uh, also humiliated. And, um, you know, just to think now about what I know about the rooms, you know, I just can't believe I we put ourselves uh, out there like that. But, um, but I can't believe it. Um, so we sort of, we laughed it off and, um, you know, chalked it up as uh, one for the books. Anyways, unfortunately, the story's not over there. We worked all day. We went back out. We hit it hard. We're cruising around the city. My dad's from northern Vermont. I'm from northern, you know, at the time, the city is a playground, you know, and, and we're, we're some bumpkins. We're hitting it hard, bouncing around, talking it up with people in Brooklyn and getting hammered. And we come back, and, and, and my thought was, well, at least we know there was a meeting yesterday in the church you know, the AA meeting. There's not going to be one tomorrow morning. So let's, let's, we know we got a clean shot in the morning. We can, you know, we can not wake up in the middle of an AA meeting, breathing fumes, looking like a, some fucking, you know, uh, <laughs> podunk, <laughs> hillbilly, uh, you know, uh, cuddle bumpkin friggin' snuggle fest in the middle of an AA meeting. Well, we, uh, we go to bed pass out once again dad's in his skivvies i'm in my skivvies we're on these pews we got one we're snuggled right up spooning it up probably uh drunk off our asses i wake up to the sound and smell of coffee brewing once again same group same home group members same guy this guy bill he's uh you know they do they do not look impressed i i thought i was having a nightmare i woke up once again, dragged our shit out of there, went outside, worked. I couldn't. I mean, I was, I don't know how funny. I guess it was pretty funny to us at the time, but 
Anyways, so that's two AA meetings I've woken up in, uh, practically naked with my father on uh, beautiful velvet church pews that I've dragged in from a church. I'm not sure why. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, how many uh, how many things are there are right there that are wrong with that. But there's more than I could count. And anyways, later that day. Bill, the guy who started, you know, who was uh, running the meeting or, or was setting up, I suppose, came out and talked to me and uh, asked me if I, I thought I needed some help. <laughs> and of course, I was I was nowhere near ready. I was in my early 20s, just getting going. But um, anyways, that's a tidbit. That's uh, that's the holiday story that I got for you. Anyways, Dopey Nation, keep it real. Uh, love what you do, Dave. And I wish you all a happy, happy holidays. Take care. Toodles for Chris. All right, that was Luke. The question is, when's the last time you snuggled with your father in a church and sleeping there in the middle of the night? Can you imagine, like, uh, me and my dad spooning? It's, it's just insanity. <laughs> it's insanity. If any of you guys have a hard-drinking, hard-using story with your father where you also happen to be homeless— please send it in to dopeypodcast at gmail.com or try us on the new Dopey Hotline, where the hotline number is 631-699-5142. I'm going to keep mentioning the hotline because uh, I've always wanted a hotline. And you know when that hotline rings or blings, it can only mean one thing. I would love to hear what Dr. Drew thought of that voicemail. I didn't play it for Dr. Drew. Dr. Drew called in. Dr. Drew is on the Dopey Christmas Classic. That's what it's called now, the Dopey Christmas Classic. And before we get to Dr. Drew Pinsky, recovery giant, Dopey great, fucking longtime friend of the show, here's some more messages from the Dopey Nation. Hello, Dopey Nation. This is Sloppy Jones wishing you a very happy holiday season and a happy and prosperous New Year's. Be careful out there at these holiday parties. Sometimes the eggnog is spiked. Sometimes there's desserts with alcohol in them. And if you're, you, know, you have a cup, make sure it's yours. Take care of your cup. Sometimes if it's a plastic cup, I'll bite mine so I know it's mine. And make sure you have a way out of the party uh, and you're not stuck there. If no one told you today that they love you, Sloppy Jones loves you. Take care. Hey, Dopey Nation, what's up? It's Katie B from Northern California. Just wanting to wish you all a happy holidays, whatever you celebrate, whether it's Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or Festivus for the rest of us. Whatever you got going on, I hope it's good. I hope you're safe and that you know that you are one of many, that you are not alone. We are all in this together. And I'm proud to be a part of this fucking crazy group of folks, man. We are legit the land of misfit toys, and I wouldn't have it any other way. So, happy holidays, everybody. Take it easy. Stay strong, Dobie Nation. Toodles. What's up, Dobie Nation? This is Scott Wick. Wanted to wish you guys a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. And uh, I really am grateful for all of you uh, degenerate fucking freaks in my fucking life. And you guys are fucking welcome for me being in your fucking life. You're all fucking welcome. And, uh, but it is crazy to think, like, 
where my focus was at like five years ago around this time of year and compared to what it is now. And uh, you have all uh, really helped me get there. So uh, I really appreciate and love y'all. Oh, and uh, I got my Christmas album dropping in February. So if you guys want a copy, um, just hit me up. Uh, holla at your boy. So we are fortunate enough to be joined by uh, one of our greatest friends of the show because our show is probably... A lot of our success is actually due to your friendship. And I'm talking about the one and only Dr. Drew Pinsky. Welcome back to the show. That is crazy if that's true, but uh, pleasure to be here as always. You are a great brick in the foundation of the pyramid that is Dopey. So I want to thank you that, for that. Well, it's, Dopey has never been other than a, had a special place in my heart. I know. And, it's, and I think about uh, from the beginning, and I remember the first time Susan tweeted back to me how excited yep. we were and how excited Chris was. And that when yep. we went to first interview you, me and Chris were so embarrassed out of our, our equipment that I had to run and buy new equipment. To go, <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. To know go, that part of the story. Yeah. That was That's the first funny. time. That was the first time we had real equipment was because I, we couldn't be so embarrassed to use the stuff that we were using before then. And oh, I, you're hysterical. And I also know that when, and I think we've talked about this, but when Chris sat with you and could talk vernacular and, 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 you know, real recovery talk with a professional, cause he was in that school, it meant so much to him and it's very cool that it happened. So I want to thank you again yeah. for that. I'm catching up with that. Another thank you. All right. My, it really was a, a pleasure. I, cause you know, I, I'd seen him in his darker hours and to see him, come through you know having been it was really meaningful to me because he was about as deep into the psychiatric system as you can get labeled with every psychiatric syndrome you can imagine and sober you know what i mean and just with sobriety magically chris reconstituted right it how a great often, story in your career because you've dealt with so many people who are at the bottom how often does somebody reappear years later in, in a better situation? It, it's more common than you might think for me. People will literally walk up to me at a social event or off the street. And of, of course, I can't recognize them because they, you know, when people are in their disease, they don't look the same, particularly by the time I was getting them. And they would come up to me typically. And the reason they would come up is not uh, so much I do hear from people that just got sober and appreciate the treatment, but more when they're sort of compelled to come up, it's, you know, I wasn't ready to hear it. You kicked me out of treatment or I was screwing around and you were, you know, you were firm with me, but it, it stayed with me. And although I didn't get sober at that moment, what you did for me ended up being a critical piece of me finally getting sober. And I thank you that type of thing. And oftentimes they're like, Chris, they're in the, they're like in professional school or something, and it just it just gets you to work the next day. You know what I mean? It makes you inspired for anybody. Because remember, when I'm kicking somebody out of treatment, I'm not exactly hopeful. Uh, I just know it's what they need and what has to happen. But but I'm not hopeful at that moment. And to see them not just thriving but extraordinary later is is really uh, rewarding. It's incredible because I think about it from time to time. How like I'm so invested in this show and it as a, a thing and it, and it came out of my 
addiction. You know, I never would have imagined as an addict that one day I would be doing a weird podcast about addiction and recovery. And it makes me think of all of the addicts and alcoholics that go on to work in the recovery field because it's what we know, yeah. right? It's, it's what we yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's like, yeah. it, it's like when criminals can work for the, uh, the police department or something. Right. Sort of like that. I, I think it's a little cleaner than that usually. But yeah, I get your point. I do get your point. And, and you've treated so many people, uh, obviously, 365 days a year. And the holiday season is, uh, it must be a very heightened time in the it treatment is. world. What's it like? In medicine, generally, the holidays are a very strange time, right? Because and it's an un you know back when I was a workaholic, which I guess you never really recover from that one either. <laughs> so I'm a recovering workaholic. But when I was practicing my workaholism, the changes in flow of patients was very obvious to me because I'd be admitting five to ten patients on a regular basis to a, to a hospital, you know, either medical or to the drug unit. And when the flow increases, it you know, I can't help but notice it because it's intense. And on the medical side, people drop out of the sky with everything from strokes to depression to eating disorders. I, it, but there's not like a people always say, you know, all oh, the holidays are tough times. You know, you're alone if you're not with your family and they're depressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That all happens. But that does not explain adequately the changes in the flow of patients that I saw all those years. It was just this uncanny change. And, uh, you know, it, on the treatment side, on the, on the chemical dependency side, it, it's somewhat the same thing that it's not just, hey, the holidays are coming. I got to get my shit together. It's a lot of uncanny phenomenon. Bring people in. And some of them is the legal system. Right. And, and of course, the patients are all in denial about what brings them in. So I never know for sure what it is. Yeah, I, I think I told you. I, uh, me and Sasha, my charge nurse, used to amuse ourselves by, you know, wondering what the patient's motivation for coming in was going to be. Which, you know, why you hear? Now we hear all kinds of things, and then open the chart and see the court ordered, you know, brought in chains from court. Right. How about the judge? Did he have anything to do with it? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm here for me. I'm here for me. It's like, okay, all right. So it's hard to tell around the holidays, but of course the flow does increase. What about just Maybe the vibe? Pressure, who knows? What about just the vibe? The vibe? Well, that's an interesting question because there is, uh, we would we would go out of our way to, you know, really try to help the patients not feel left behind or or remorseful that here they are, you know, in treatment when they should be at home celebrating or whatever. And so, so there's efforts made to, you know, really come. And by the way, we're there with the patients. You know what I mean? We should be home too, but we make an we make an effort to totally. to try to to try to overcome some of those that tendency to to drift. I I would say, you know, you would think that people would leave treatment. They they leave leading up to Christmas, hoping to get out by by Christmas time. But the ones that are still there are either sicker than others, or committed right so you get kind of two populations in there and as we all know some are sicker than others yes I, i've been in treatment at christmas at least once in a public detox and it has the little yep. it had the little miniature christmas tree there's a certain mm -hmm. quality to christmas in detox that is so 
uh, sad, but also very warm because it's one of those mm-hmm. situations mm-hmm. where it's all of these disparate people, disparate, desperate mm-hmm. people together at the worst time in their life, often, mm-hmm. in, in what's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. And I think that right. that becomes a very, it's like, I think it could be a TV show, Christmas time and detox. I think you have, some, I, I think, I think it could be a great uh, Christmas to, special. To, to be fair, to be fair, I think it's actually more an SNL skit. <laughs> fine. I think, I think it goes more that way. Or that. But, that's uh, fine. That's fine. Yeah. But, uh, but there's a, there's a magic. I, I think there's a love. I mean, how often have you been there amongst these people? Like among people like me, like, are there is have you yes. ever seen people uh singing Christmas carols in treatment around Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we have. I mean we we do what we can to make it as you know embracing an environment as possible. And it's it, it's kind of I don't want to make people think it's you know pleasurable, but but it's kind of nice. You know, it's kind of a nice time, you know, when people sort of are reassessing and I don't know, like I said, there's two populations in there. There's there's some that are really committed and some that are really sick. And, and that's, that's an interesting time of year to be, you know, creating a community. And how hard is it at that time of the, of the year for the really sick to become committed? Well, you know, you know how that goes. There, there's lots of good reasons to not stay. Right. Uh, I, you know, my family does won't know they want, blah, 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 you know, so as you're coming into treatment, coming into the holidays, that's when the ones, well, you don't have to be sick to be resistant, right? It's just when the resistant ones become resistant and have a good excuse. And so there's yeah, always good in quotes. There's always, good a good there's always a good excuse to leave. No, trust me. <laughs> trust me. I know. Trust me. I know. Can you recall any very, very, very classic Christmas memories working with the afflicted? You know, I can't. I, it's a feeling. Uh, I'm Dave, with you. It's, it's, a, it's this feeling. And, and it's. There was a closeness of the staff that was sort of unusual. You know, I, I think that the, the togetherness sort of starts with the staff at that time of year. And that that feeling was, I, I only know how to describe it as warm. It was a, there was a distinct warmth then. And it was kind of lovely. And hopefully we were able to communicate that to the to the patients. It's funny because I feel the same way about Katz's. At Katz's during mm. the holidays, it's horrible. You know what I mean? It's horrible yeah. in that it's a yeah, whirlwind. Sure. I'm sure it's very similar. Yeah. Sure, it's very similar yeah, it to treatment. Is. And you know, it really is. It's any it's any service industry that has to be open during the holidays. But, but you also want, yeah, but you want to be there for your people you're serving, right? It's just the stakes are a little higher in treatment than at chats. Although who knows? You know, you guys, you guys may be some high stakes here and there. Well, so the, the stakes are the intensity and, and it's and it's also just that the, you work together, your brothers and sisters yeah, in arms. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's all very romantic and I love to hear about it. There is a little romance to it. It's true. There's a bit of a romance. But there is a feeling you go into Katz's during Christmas time. It is overwhelming. And 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 this uh-huh. and or the methadone clinic at Christmas time. Uh-huh. Well, so the methadone clinics are a little different because everyone is so loaded and messed up. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know what I mean? It's a little different, but you know, to be there when people recover and to be of service is, is such a privilege. Yeah. We've been taking a lot of heat. I've been threatening to do a methadone minute where I go to the methadone mm. clinic and see what's happening outside. Ooh. 
Interesting. And I did that over that the would summer. Be interesting. I did it over the summer yeah. a couple times. You know, there were some relatively fucked up people and a bunch of dopey people who have successfully been on methadone and, and not been all fucked up didn't like the methadonian that I had on display. And I was like, well, if you hang out outside of the methadone clinic, this is who's there. But so right. so so there are people in the methadone world that are using it successfully i just have to say that for the constituents in the dopey nation that hate it when i go yes. off on oh, no. methadonians oh, oh no no Let, let's be thankful as it seems speaking of gratitude yes that there are lots of options for people these days to come into some their version of sobriety their version of stability even though you know for me i was only interested in seeing the miracles of recovery i mean you and chris and and, you know, and, but Chris is a reminder how how profoundly dangerous this illness is. Right. And people criticize full recovery these days because, oh, my God, somebody could go out and use again. Yeah, yeah, they could. It happens. But it's a risk-benefit analysis. And to get the full benefit of a thriving recovery, you kind of have to be off everything or way low down on your Suboxone and Methadone, way low down. But for others, that's not possible. And, and we should celebrate that they are out of the hamster wheel of the active disease. Right. If they're alive, they can they can get better. And they can be better mm -hmm. in, in whatever their situation is. We recently had some people who are doing this uh, ketamine for depression. What's your take on it, mm -hmm. Dr. Drew? I've always, I was actually thinking of it's, you when I talked yeah, to them. It's, somebody tried to get me into that business at one point. Like, you should be doing this. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I've seen it work. Uh, it is for, let's remind ourselves, its primary mode is treatment-resistant depression. In other words, if you've tried everything else, then then it's reasonable to try this. Unfortunately, it's becoming sort of fad-ish a little bit. People are reaching for it far earlier than they should. And then there's, of course, the nasal spray that nobody really knows how to, how to work with yet. Ketamine what? nasal spray? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, keep talking, Dr. Yeah. Drew. I'm sorry. I didn't mean I to interrupt you. Don't get any ideas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so be that as it may, the, the science is sort of wonky on that. It's certainly not something that just is used as a first-line treatment for anything. And But people are using it in all kinds of ways that are a little bit outside of the uh, indications. The other thing I have concerns about is I've seen it activate addiction. I've seen people with really solid recovery It'll start using after three or five treatments with ketamine, and that that worries me greatly. Then there's another treatment of ketamine, and and that is these sort of guided therapies, right? Where you sort of people are trying to get at trauma that they can't get out by other means. I, I I've seen plenty of people that think they've benefited from that. I, I'm I don't know. I'm not fully convinced yet. Right. So there's that. My big question yeah. for them was, what if you have a ketamine addict who's in full recovery, yeah. but they're really yeah, depressed, yeah. they can't deal with the depression, yeah. does ketamine for depression re-spark the ketamine addiction? And they didn't have an answer for me, which was frustrating. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I've seen it re-spark addiction generally. So I'm imagining in those with ketamine addiction, it's even more treacherous. You understand what I'm saying? Look, you, you activate chemicals that cause addiction have a common pathway in the brain. And some are more powerful than others in terms of triggering the activation of that pathway, but they all share that common feature. And so, 
if you're messing around in that area, it's concerning. It's concerning. Right, right. And uh, so, so tread lightly there. You know, you proceed with caution. It's all risk reward, like you said. I, I Correct. But I'm at the point where I do not think somebody with serious addiction in full recovery should be taking ketamine. I, I don't think it's a great idea. I'm not saying they should never. I just don't think it's a great idea. What about ayahuasca? So ayahuasca is a little more complicated. We don't know, right? The proper research has not yet been done. In ayahuasca, let's throw ibogaine in the same bucket. I have definitely seen down and out, sociopathic, criminal, just end of the road drug addicts who tried treatment, really tried treatment, get better from this experience. Nice. I have seen that. So in that situation, maybe it's worth it, right? They've tried everything else and they're still down and really bad. I mean, you could argue that if you or I got in with them, we'd find that there were some weaknesses in their program, but whatever. I mean, they tried. And for those people, maybe maybe this is meaningful. Maybe it's a, not just meaningful, but maybe it's life-saving. For the average person that is going, hey, shall I go, you know, shall I go to the city center at Hazleton or shall I go down to Costa Rica? Go to the city center. Right. <laughs> if you're just starting out, go, go get treatment. You know, just stay with them. What we know works. But I think that maybe an ayahuasca Christmas detox sounds like another great movie, like a really fucked up sociopath who goes on this life changing trip and and, fi- and be- it's like the Christmas miracle. It sounds good to me. It sounds like a Christmas, like some weird psychedelic junkie version of a Christmas carol with ayahuasca. You're indulging your junkie self today with me. Well, like thank it, congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> So what about you, Dr. Drew? What do the holidays hold in store for the, the Pinskys? We're going to be in New York between Christmas and New Year's. And we were on a big, we took a big, big trip to Europe and Spain and Portugal. And the whole family went, we had this magnificent time. And so we are hanging, hanging loose, laying low through nice. the holidays. We're not doing a heck of a lot. Hopefully that's our plan at least. Well, I hope I see you in New York and we can do some more, more catching up. And I'll definitely, I, I don't think I ever got you a, uh, Katz's, so I'm happy to do it. I've never been to Katz's. How about that? Uh, I'll take you. You'll get everyone will be so excited yeah. to meet you too. That would be awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Okay. Drew, and uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. I wish the Dopey Nation, which by the way is one of the most extraordinary nations I know of, I'm inspired by you all, and that the, you all rallied around dopiness is just the, the most I, I, it's inspiring is not a, a clear enough word. Exciting. It's exciting to me that you guys gather together and share these stories. So I wish you the happiest of holidays. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas and onward, everybody. Well, there's Dr. Drew, and it's been quite the Christmas classic so far. Lots of old friends from the show. Fucking original dopey influencer, Dr. Drew. Novak. Fucking dopey Drez popped in. Tons of dopes sending their love and their spirit. I just want to tell you guys, as I'm making this show... I'm still using the computer I bought. Actually, my dad bought me this computer in, uh, let's see, if it's 2022. He bought this for me in 2016, right when we started making the show. And I'm sentimentally holding on to this computer, and it's just jam-packed with shit. And I swear, as I make this show, every second I'm scared it's going to lose this thing this document, this, this project. So like, it's like, uh, 
What it reminds me of is being in a house that's freezing and running out of firewood and burning the furniture. It's what I'm doing. I'm taking all of this old dopey art, throwing it on the Google Drive, which I am very paranoid that I won't get to keep, and then throwing the art away so that I can finish this show. And if you're a true dope, you know I bought a new computer last year that we used for Good Morning Dopey with Howard Bucksbaum, Howard Beach Bucksbaum, who I did not get to do a Christmas message. But maybe Howie's going to pop up sooner or later. I have a good computer sitting. I'm looking at it, but I'm still using the 2016 model. What does it mean? I don't know. I'm going to switch models for 2023. Here's some more dopes. And then, you know, we have a surprise pop-in from B Gets of the Up for Life podcast. Here's a few more dopes. And then B Gets. Ho, ho, ho. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, Hannah Kwanzaa from Hot Wheels. Love y'all. Don't want to leave anybody out. I know there's like three or four holidays people celebrate this time of year. Be safe in case you're depressed and thinking of doing something dumb. Be safe. Don't die. Worst comes to worst, give me a call. My number's out there. Happy holidays. Fucking toodles for Chris. Peace, love, and all that other hippie shit for Tad and... Shit, I don't know. If you drink, pour a 40 for the rest of the dead homies. I can't name them all. Howdy to the Doperinos and Dave. Greetings from Georgia and the U.S. of fucking A. This is the professor, also known as Sarah Buck Dowd, um, sending you warm wishes for a peaceful holiday season. I specifically would like to thank the Dopey Nation and Zoom for helping me achieve another year of sobriety and recovery. It's been filled with hilarity, debauchery, enlightenment, and unfortunately, butt bugs. (laughs) Y'all make recovery fun again. I'm sending you lots of love, peace, great vibes for the next year. I can't wait to meet all of you at the next DopeyCon. Please come, because we want to keep Dave happy. Stay strong, reach out and connect with people, and fucking toodles. You all rock. Sending you smoochies, boochies. Hey, dopes. It's Mike Mart from the Don't Die Podcast. Happy holidays. Whatever you celebrate, man, don't celebrate too hard. Because, you know, we're always in danger of fucking eating shit. Be safe. Late. Hey, Dopey Nation. Graphic Design Ryan here. I hope everyone has a safe and Merry Christmas and uh, meets a new boyfriend or girlfriend at the New Year's Alcathon. And hey, if you got some Christmas money, Uh, May I suggest getting the gorgeous Dopey logo tattooed on your body. Be good. Merry Christmas, everybody. All right, so here we go. On the phone with Dopey OG. Would you call yourself an OG dope? I think so at this point, man. I'm like four years in. It was double digits, like episode 63 when I got down. So, yeah, I think I can call myself an OG. All right, straight from the Ganja Farms... Are you straight from the Ganja Farms or are you in Oaktown? I'm in Oaktown. Right. I have news about the Ganja Farm. It's it's from the Up for Life podcast. Uh, one of my favorite music journalists I've ever known, 
B. Getz, welcome back to the show. How you feel? Uh, I feel good, man. It's great to be here. It's great to hear your voice. Great to talk to the Dopey Nation. I am indeed in Oakland. Uh, I did just make a trip up to the ganja farms for what might be one of the last times. The guy that uh, one of my bros, Mikey Dredd, who I've worked for, trimmed his gardens for five years now. He's uh, the, the legal game has really changed the landscape of, of cannabis cultivation. And as long as I've known him, he's always planted every year. And next year, he's not doing it. He told me I should uh, look elsewhere or, you know, just don't expect the call which was shocking to hear after all these years. So Wait, why? Could, What's could, happened? Just the legal game, uh, the corporate corporatization of cannabis cultivation, uh, the, the laws. Without getting all into it, I know you want to keep this focused. Uh, the, <laughs> the, 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 no, I want to know. The, 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 the sort of, uh, I would say, the authorities, instead of just, um, you know, flying over and seeing the biggest gardens and busting them. That was sort of the modus operandi for years and years. Now they, they look to see who's growing legally, who is, uh, you know, their gardens are up to code and all that. And if you're not, there's a red dot and then they're busting the, the black market growers much more aggressively. Um, and that plus the, the economics of it. I mean, good weed is really cheap. A great weed is hard to find because it's mass, uh, mass grown, mass you know, kind of shipped around. It's it's just a different and a different time. And and the guys that I work for are are legacy growers, are heritage growers. Whether their father taught them or they came out here 15, 20 years ago, bought a small parcel and built on it. And a lot of those guys didn't make the jump to legal weed. You know, they don't have the hundred fifty thousand dollars it costs for the license or any other number of reasons. What's the Maybe uh, philosophical? What's so anyway, the, all this to say is you won't be hearing from me from the ganja farms in Northern California anymore. You never Those know. Those days appear to be over. You never know. Never say never. I want to know what was Mikey Dredd's signature strain. Uh, he's a he's an OG Kush guy. So whether it was runts or Skittles or you know all these newfangled flavors, now I can't keep up, but. But Mikey's green thumb was OG Kush. Is OG Kush. I'll put his his Kush strains up against anyone. There's some weird typing sound. You're not typing while you're talking, are you? I'm not. That's weird. I'm hold, not. On, hold on. You're getting a typing sound like a click? Yeah. Could be the hands-free mic bouncing against the beads on my neck. I that's don't know. definitely. I'm holding it now. That's definitely what it is. The mic is bouncing against the beads. That's interesting. All right, well, I'm holding it now. I I'm love holding that. It now. Um, now before we even get, cause, cause I had the incredible opportunity, uh, both of us had the incredible opportunity of being at the park city song summit last year. And we got to finally meet in person and chill. And you came on dopey on the Jerry Stahl episode and everyone loved hearing you, by the way, a lot of really nice compliments, just even just about the sound of your voice. They find you to be a very soothing orator, Mr. B. Getz. <laughs> That's very kind to hear. Thank you for sharing that with me. That's nice. Um, but before, yeah, it's and, great to hear. And I got to go on the Up for Life podcast, and and I just want to make an announcement. Today is December twenty third. Tomorrow, of course, is Christmas Eve, and tomorrow on the Up for Life uh, podcast, B is dropping my second episode, and I thought it was really a good one. So I'm psyched for that. You and me both, my friend. And I, I would have liked to have put it out sooner, but it just. 
I got a lot of great interviews, including the one with Rising Appalachia while we were there. But I have to concur, man. It was such a joy to spend time with you, to meet you, to see you do your thing, to, for you to see me do my thing, for that to cross-pollinate, and for us to just kick it. Because, you know, we've been talking on the phone and texting, and I've been listening to Dopey for years and years. But it was really great to, to chill. And, and then at the very end of a four-and-a-half-day uh, event, you came over to my palatial suite yeah. and uh, we sat down for like two hours. And I will say this, it's kind of like chapter two building on what we did. Cause you came on up for life episode 33, which was about two and a half years ago. And it holds a title as the most downloaded episode. Nice. It still? briefly lost it. And yeah, you briefly lost it to Jake from QAnon anonymous. And then as soon as you said, I said that on dopey, the nation rose up and snatched the title right back. Well, I love that. And I think like uh, just, you know, I'm not big on, I mean, maybe I am big on self-promotion. I don't know. But I think that my Up Full Life episodes are super, super, super uh, sweet. And the one we did in Park City was like, we were just chilling because the week was over. And uh, I remember just sitting back in that palatial because they gave B this serious fucking suite. They gave me like the one room and I, I was like coming off COVID. It was horrible. B had the fucking hot tub on the porch, the, the full kitchen, the fireplace. It was like, it was madness. And we sat at the dining room table and it was like, it was very, very cool. So I, I and I want that episode to do better than my first one. So if you're interested in hearing a really chill fucking hangout with me and B gets, check out Up Full Life tomorrow. It's going to drop. Um, bef yep. but before it's, it's different. I just want to explain to folks that you, you told your story, like the Dave story on the first episode, yeah. which you've told a number of times. And, and people have said the one on my app is really good. And I would concur. I think you were because of the tenor of our friendship, you brought your whole self and that's what happened in park city, but you have evolved so much. I mean, you were in the wake of Chris's and Todd's deaths, still figuring out the one man captain of dopey when we did it then so much has happened in the interim two and a half years. So I think that's really the beauty of part two is it's like an update. It's like the next chapters of Dave's life of dopey of podcasting. And we touch on a lot of stuff. You know, we touch on everything from, you know, like mountain girl to fentanyl J to podcasting under your real name. I mean, it's really some profound topics and we do, we get a little dopey. But it's less like uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll and more like heart medicine. And I think that that's really appropriate for the holidays. Yeah, and it's a good, it's a real decent behind-the-scenes look, like how the sausage gets made kind of stuff. Yes. And, and, uh, and very much like, you know, like how it works and like and what, what how Dopey is, what, what's happening with Dopey outside of the actual show of Dopey. So like that was joyful for me because you know the show and you were interested in that. So for me to talk about it to somebody that actually cared felt really, really, really good. So I appreciate you having yeah. me on. And um, I want to know before we get into some old school Dopey story, why don't you describe what the ganja farms in Northern California are like during Christmas time? Well, during Christmas, it's the, the rush is to get it done so people can get their lives back for the holidays. So traditionally, you know, they, they plant in May and even in April and work the land all summer, maybe do some 
greenhouses, which take less time, pull those down. So anyway, the, the harvest is when the rains come in October, and then it's a race, you know, depending on the size of the farm. Some people want to get done by Thanksgiving. It's more the more like skeletal crews and kind of more like mom and pop shops. They want to get done by Christmas because when you when you're working, it's around the clock. You know, you wake up, you eat some food, have some coffee, and then you sit down at the trim table and you're working for eight, 10, 12, 14 hour days, go to sleep for a few hours, rinse, repeat. So by the time Christmas time comes, if you're still on the farm, it's kind of depressing because you didn't make the goal and everyone's gone home. It's cold. You know, usually you're sleeping outside. So by the time December runs comes around, it's cold. So I would hope most people aren't on the ganja farms around Christmas time, but I did have Christmas dinner at Mikey Dreads a couple times over the years when I was working up there. And it's, you know, it's, it's a little more stony than, than drunk as far as Christmas, less mistletoe. Isn't Mikey Dredd some reggae singer too? He's a reggae DJ. Yeah. Yeah. Is it not this kid? This is my friend Mikey with Dreads. It's not the same Mikey Dredd. No, (laughs) that'd be awesome if it was. So tell us, tell us your Christmas dopey story. Okay. Well, you know, since you asked me, I've been kind of like racking my brain and, and I don't really have like one. I just kind of have like Christmas because I'm Jewish like you, even though I don't practice, you know, it's, it's Christmas was never in our lives, in our house. So when I was a little kid, we went to, you know, family friends for Christmas. And then when I was in elementary school through high school, I went to my best buddy, Joe D's place. He was like the lone Catholic amongst a bunch of Jews in Cherry Hill. So we did Christmas at his house. And when I was like 16, we ate mushrooms and went to midnight mass. And that was like absolutely incredible, especially since I didn't have a connection to the spirituality of it, just to hear like these ancient Latin songs. The songs right. And like, yeah, it was like, and this is like some of my first psychedelic experiences in my brain, in my ears, like being in a house of worship. And it felt at once like terribly disrespectful and also like organically beautiful. But honestly, when I think of Christmas, dude, and this sucks, uh, I think of like my years strung out because like I never had a Christmas dinner to go to. Uh, once I got into my 20s and stuff, people had the good sense not to invite me because I was a mess. And, you know, we always had to cop. We always had to have our meds. So my recollections of Christmas are like waiting for the, the drop, waiting for a homie to come by after Christmas dinner, bring me my shit and progressively withdrawing more and more because I fucked up and like did them all before Christmas Eve and now I'm waiting. Or just the loneliness of being strung out, addicted to drugs, alone on the holidays. So I was just talking to my new wife, I got married in November, uh, about this the other day. Thank you. I was talking to her about how I really empathize with people who have a hard time during the holidays because there was a time in my life where I was alone and addicted on Christmas every year for like a decade. And uh, so there's sort of like just a sort of uh, gloomy, dark, foreboding emotion that, that comes over me. Even now, six and a half years off this shit, Christmas reminds me of, of, the darkness. So I just wanted to take this opportunity instead of telling like a knee slapping laugh at ourselves dopey story. I imagine some dopes out there, this is still their reality, whether they're sober or using um, just loneliness and sort of disconnection. So I just want to 
meet them there and tell the dopey nation like i've been there i feel your pain and it can and does get better so uh, merry christmas used to or happy holidays sounded so fucking trite for so long but i hope people accept my holiday wishes and huge heart and empathy and and love and man dave lived through it i lived through it y'all can live through it too no definitely it's it's fucked up like for me i i romance it to this day i romance i i romance christmas time like to me christmas time is so romantic I think back to like, wait, you know, before I ever was on drugs and Christmas time was very romantic to me, maybe because the city was all lit up. And I, even as a Jew, I loved the music. I loved Christmas specials on TV. Like they made, they filled me up with love. Like I'm such a fucking cornball. Like it, they filled me up with love. Like the Christmas spirit was real for me. And even when I was using like, if I scored, it was like the greatest Christmas ever, you know, the, a very junky Christmas. And it was, everything was like hearts. And, you know, did you have any kind of connection to Christmas as a Jewish person or were you just like the Christmas yeah. spirit doesn't exist? No, no, totally. I mean, like I said, I, I got made fun of a lot when I like mentioned like that I had a babysitter when I went to the dead show when I was like 16. So I feel like I always bring up babysitters, but when I was real little, my Nana, which was like a babysitter of mine, she was hardcore Baptist and she had us over for Christmas and there was, I had a stocking and, and gifts under her tree. And then again, when I was growing up, going over to Joe D's, the Catholic amongst all the, our Jewish friends, they rolled out the red carpet for us. We had gifts, we, had, we, we did all the Christmas stuff. So I loved that growing up and, and felt a sense of belonging to it, even as a Jew. What I'm saying is like once that ended and I got into young adulthood and became addicted and kind of just had a shitty attitude and comported myself with just a general sense of displeasure and negativity, I was no longer invited to anybody's Christmases. And I spent a ton of them by myself, either withdrawing or high. And while, yeah, I mean, once once you got high, the, you know, and a Christmas story was on TV and homie's uh, tongue is stuck to the freezing pole. Exactly. Yeah, all is right in the it's world. Like that's the I greatest. mean, all is right in the world. Yeah, that's the great. My, you know, you know, they have all these Christmas movies, the the kid Christmas movies. The worst kid Christmas movie is Santa Claus is coming to town with with Santa Claus as the clay, and there's Burger Burger Meister, and Santa Claus is this young strapping man. Do you know the movie I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. I've only seen it a little bit, but it's, I, I know it. It's horrible. But that movie on heroin is like fucking The Godfather. <laughs> it's incredible. So, and, and I and I watch it with my family, right? And it's just such a fucking piece of shit movie. And 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 all I could think about is how much I loved watching it when I would get high, and I would like chain smoke Marlboros and be high watching this horrible Christmas movie. And my life is is you know light years better but that movie sucks without heroin i have to or weed yeah. <laughs> all that's right. how i feel about criminal intent like, law and order criminal intent was my shit when i was high and now i can't get through an episode you know what's fucked up you know what good show uh, i can't get get through without drugs is futurama isn't that sad i fucking <laughs> i lived for futurama on drugs and i cannot watch it off drugs it's amazing and king Go of the figure. hill too how about how about a Christmas song? How about a parting shot? You got a favorite Christmas song? Oh man, I I mean, I'm so I I'm so into it. Like I'm so, I'm like way too into Christmas music. Uh, right now I'm at a 
da, da. what's that? Uh, I'm at this crazy fucking super Christian Christmas song right now. The uh, whatever, January gentleman, and he's like to save us all from Satan's power. You know, with tidings of comfort and joy. Like I love tidings of comfort and joy, but I also love darling love, baby, please come home. I love Band Aid. Do do they know it's Christmas? What do you? What's you? What about you? Oh, Lee? dude, that is my jam, dude. Band Aid. Do they know it's Christmas? Will make me cry even now. It is just right for the emotional jugular. I was gonna go uh, Run DMC Christmas and oh, Hollis, yeah. but no, I'm going. I'm going Band Aid. I'm going Band Aid. Dude, Run DMC Christmas and Hollis. The hook, the that the beat is just tremendous. I can't believe nobody made a song out of that beat besides Christmas and Hollis. The beat is so fucking big. I love that beat. It is. You know, DMC was supposed to come on Dopey, and he's been MIA. DMC is MIA. <laughs> you think he's going to show up? For, for you? I do. You do? Yeah. All right. Yeah, just, you know, all good things and all good time. You're going to get DMC. You're going to get Trey. It's all going to happen, buddy. Somebody just said they're going to get us Billy Strings, but, you know, let's just fucking chill. Good luck. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, I, mean, I, I would love to, to that to happen. I already pinged his agent and he, he his agent told me good luck. So <laughs> no, I mean, dude, I, I was actually texting with Billy strings a year ago or maybe two years ago. And he was like, yeah, whatever, whatever. And then it never happened. And then he blew up. Yeah, and, he should have struck while the iron's hot. Now he's a celebrity. Now he's like the Taylor Hicks of, or uh, not Taylor Hicks, Taylor, the Taylor Swift, Swift of, jam band. of jam bands. You never know. Exactly. You never know what's going to yeah. happen. Begets, thank right. you for coming Up back. Up for life on. 63. Christmas Eve. Up for life 63. It's dropping. Up for life. I'm on it. We're chilling tomorrow night, Christmas Eve. Check it out. Begets, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. And I'm sure I'll talk to you, but Happy New Year. And thank you for coming through. Thanks for having me, man. Love to the fam. Right on. Back at you. Uh, hey, wait, one more. Me not say toodles. So now we've had dopes like Hot Wheels, Begets, fucking Mike Mart from Don't Die, Tex and the Horseman, Thelonious Monster. We, it's just, it's a cavalcade of dopes. And did you hear Graphic Design Ryan? Do you know who that is? Graphic Design Ryan designed the Dopey logo. He was our first guest, I think, on the show. Back in the day, back in 2015, he came to my apartment on Grand Street and we recorded he was there the first time Todd called in and didn't know he was there. And all this stuff means a lot to me because I'm a sentimental guy, if you didn't know that. And here's a few more dopes. We're going to close this Christmas show with my dad and, and thoughts from a Jew uh, during Hanukkah and Christmas. So here's the last of the dopes and my dad. Hey, Dopey Nation, it's Teens from Philly wishing you happy holidays, uh, peace and love in this new year to come. And hang in there, everybody. I know holidays can be rough, but um, it can always get better, you know. Coming from the chick that was featured in the depression episode, I assure you it can always get better. It can always turn around, man. And, uh, you know, I sit here with three, over three years of continuous sobriety, and I can say, honestly, say I never had it so good in my life. And, uh, you know, three years ago, I stood on a train platform and uh, didn't think there was a way out. But um, stay strong and, uh, you know, do what you got to do, guys. It's, it takes work, but it's worth it. I can't believe I just said that. Ew. Anyhow, I love you, Dave. Stay strong, Duke Nation. Toodles for Chris. Go Eagles. Hey, Dopey Nation, this is Jeremy Turner. 
I'm calling from the steamboat American Queen on the Mississippi River. And I just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year's. I haven't been in the Zoom rooms lately, but I just want to let everybody know I've been thinking about them. I love the donation. Toodles to Chris and Todd. And just want to let everybody know that if you're going through something through the holidays, reach out. It's not too late. You're not the only one that feels this way. I love everybody. Thank you, Dave, for everything you do. And Merry Christmas. Hey, Dopey Nation. This is Aaron Carr wishing you a Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Holidays. Happy New Year. Stay strong and fucking toodles for Chris. Hi, I'm Candy Dick. I'm Andy Dick's sister. And Dave called me, not Andy, to leave a, uh, a Christmas message because Andy's unavailable because he's probably in prison. So, Dopey Nation, I love you. I hope you all have such a great Christmas and a happy, happy new year. And may all your hopes and dreams come true in 2023. And uh, just remember that I'm the talented dick. Bye. So there she is, Candy Dick, back on the show. And, uh, you know, it's been a, a wonderful classic Christmas. Please send me your thoughts on this year's Christmas classic. And uh, it is not a Christmas classic without my father. So I'm calling him now. Let's see. I, he's watching the Nick game, but I don't want I don't want him to tell me the score because I haven't started. It's late, and I need to I need to watch the game, but I don't want him to ruin it for me. Let's see if he answers the phone. Oh, I'm calling him the wrong number. Fuck. Hello. Hello, Dad. Hi. Hi, Davey. Welcome to the Christmas classic, Dad. The dopey Christmas classic. Oh, that's that's what's happening right now? This is the dopey Christmas classic. And I'm sure you've heard a lot of dopey Christmas episodes. Uh, are you familiar with our Christmas uh, tradition of craptacularness? <laughs> not really, no. You've been on probably you every every Christmas special. Do you not recall the dopey Christmas specials of of your of yesteryear? What is that? Why it's called craptacular? Well, it's tacular. Now, Dad, oh. as a Jewish man, as an older Jewish man, you've never really bought into the Christmas spirit. Has that changed, or are you still feeling very Grinch-like in your old age? It's changing a little bit. It's changing a little bit. Nora and Susie, uh, it's making me change it a little bit. Uh, I almost enjoyed wrapping all these presents. I mean, it was sort of like fun to wrap them. It wasn't that much fun going out and buying them, but it was fun wrapping them. So maybe I'm less Grinch-like. Yeah, much less. I was accused of being a Grinch to the family the other night. Linda took us to this light show, and I was like, let's go, and... I, you know, Susan got scared and I was kind of a jerk. And then the next morning, Nora said I was Grinch-like. So I'm working on uh, not, and I figured it was just genetic. 
It could be. Yes, you you blame me for everything. Maybe maybe your Grinch like is from me too. Well, yeah, it could be because it's Christmas. I want to first of all, I want to extend uh, good tidings to you, to all you and your kin, and I want to say that it is not your that's, fault. That's, Every that's, what? That's, oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not going to interrupt. Keep going. No, what were you 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 need to interrupt. So what were you going to say? Well, you say good tidings to you and your kids, so you're giving good tidings to yourself. I know. I figured that. <laughs> I figured that was nice. But uh, yeah. I want. I want to offer a hearty apology and say that you are a wonderful father. And uh, I was just talking. This computer, the computer that you bought me years ago, has just about had it. And uh, I want really? to give you credit. Well, it's a six-year-old computer. Computers aren't supposed to last that long. So I want to thank you publicly for buying it for me and for being such a, an incredible father. Well, it's very sweet. It's very nice. Uh, and by the way, it's still Hanukkah, you know, out there. Yeah, I mean, but Hanukkah doesn't have good tidings to you. It's just the Maccabees and the, the oil lasted eight nights. It's not the same kind of thing. Well, no, of course not. When I was a kid, it was like nothing. I think we used to get a penny every day or something. I mean, it was, it was certainly, certainly not the big deal that they make it today. Uh, uh, you know, to keep the uh, Jewish kids a little happy in terms of presence. All right, real quick, Dad. I didn't talk about it the whole show, but there was a giant controversy from last week's show. Some of you will know, some of you don't know. Uh, in the Johnny Jukebox interview, Johnny uh, had talked about uh, basically sexually assaulting a woman when he was 14. He said he had slept with somebody or had sex with them when they were unconscious. They were 24, he was 14. Not that that matters. Uh, and then I said, that's not good. And he said, ha, 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 I don't give a fuck. Then I took it to the editor to have it cut out, and I played the wrong clip, and there was yeah. a great controversy in the Dopey Nation. Um, right. I took it out. People are upset that I took it out. People are upset that I left it on. What's your take? Well, listen, I think I think that you treated him uh, like you did all of the other guests and 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 you have laughed at horrible things that people did in the past in a, in a you know in a in a way that could have meant that let's move on kind of a laugh and let's move on. Uh I thought the 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 fact that you and Aaron and Linda actually talked about it and did a wonderful show of, about how people have suffered because of sexual abuse. And I think you did a great job of apologizing and wishing that you would have said something different, which, you know, everybody wishes sometimes they should have said something different when they had the chance. But, you know, it's over with. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very, it was a good learning experience, a really good learning experience. Uh, of well, how what, people, what, did uh, I, what did I learn? Well, you, you you learn that some things uh, pretty much are so horrible that people really uh, you know should not only be remorseful about it, never should have done it in the first place. No, that's not that what I people... learned. That's not what I learned. What okay, I learned good. Tell was me what, learn. what I learned was that in a situation like that, I need to speak up, and if yeah. I and and to make sure that I play the right version of the show. Those are the two things. Yeah, that would be a good point. Those were yeah. the two things that I learned. Dad, what did you learn? Did you learn anything from this whole thing? Yeah, I learned I learned that that people could be upset about one thing and not make a comment about pretty other horrible things, but I I guess you can't say that either because all of a sudden uh the w women, you know, in terms of 
being so offended and so hurt by the sexual things for so many years, it really hurts them more than listening to somebody selling fentanyl or murdering their mother or, or robbing banks or, 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 you know, or trashing or stealing their grandmother's money. You know, they, they can handle that, uh, but they can't handle this. I don't think anyone uh, killed, we, killed their mother, and I don't think anyone robbed a bank. Did anyone rob a bank? Uh, hold Dover? on, wait. No, let, let, let's talk about just make it more generic. Robbery and uh, and murder or and things like that. You know, I think Artie Lang tried to rob a bank, and uh, and Sammy Sammy McBride killed his girlfriend. So those things happened, yeah. but but everyone thought they were more repentant. I think moving forward, All right. listen, moving forward, the show is going to stay dopey. If anyone talks about uh assaulting women or doing anything crazy like that horrific like that i will make sure to talk to them about it a little bit more is there anything you want to add dad because the year is about to end do you want to do a or do you want to do a year in review next week or do you have anything else you want to say about this year now uh because who knows what you're going to be doing next week what are you going to be doing next yeah. week Oh no no no! I'm I, I know what I'm doing next week. On uh, on uh, Saturday, I'm heading down to Florida, and I should be down south. Oh, and and going on this cruise to Antarctica, which is crazy. But uh, I'm heading to Florida and then doing a cruise to Antarctica and then being down there uh, in Florida until the middle of March. So yeah, next next. Uh, Saturday morning, I'm going to be in the car heading south. I wasn't um, looking so for your was, travel plans. You know, uh, you just asked what I was going to do. I asked what you what you want to look back on the year. What do you want to talk about this year? You got anything to say about this year before it's over? Or do you think you're going to call in uh, next week? Well, uh, if you want me to, well, why don't you do it next week? Oh, like, Jesus. You, want to do it on, you, love, you love being on this show. And, and let, let's, uh, look, you want me to... No, 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 enough, enough, enough. You'll, you'll do that next week. Do you have anything else you want to say about Christmas and the Dopey Nation? Listen, I, I, again, I always say this. I really want everybody in the Dopey Nation to be, to be healthy and, and have a joyous holiday season and Christmas and whatever you celebrate. And, uh, and uh, toodles for Chris. Well, did you hear what? Did, wait, you're not going to read a review? What are you ending the show already for? You don't want to read a review. You, you don't want to talk about one new review. You don't want to talk about Seymour, it's, the nefarious villain oh, of the league. Wait a, oh, well, it turns out Seymour that I'm still Seymour a, calls the tune and everybody dances. No, he's in third place now. So who's on top? Me. You're still in first place. I I got sixty four points. Daryl has sixty one. Oh man. And. Hold on, wait, I'm not finished. Maybe we need to get Seymour. Maybe we need to get Seymour oh, on the phone. Oh, wait a minute, Steve, wait a minute. Hold it, David, you're tied, you're tied to third. Tied for you third. You and Seymour are tied for third with 57. Yeah, it's really close, man. I mean, there's there's so many things that are so close to, 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 to the 10,000th of a point close together. Uh, anyway, uh um, right now, I'm still in first place. But by the end of the night, who knows? But right now, I'm in first place. Do you want to read the review before we end, Dad? Um, well, it's 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 the review. Um, let me see. I can get it back again. By the way, I think you just ruined the Christmas classic. <laughs> 
<laughs> Listen, I, I didn't try to ruin the Christmas classic. You, you, you might have helped, right? Anyway, the, the guy wrote a five-star review, Long Island Memories by Already Taken, and he wrote, what an intense interview. Thanks, Johnny and Dave. Wow. So he didn't think it was so terrible. Well, that's you good. Know. That's nice. Listen, Dad, did you hear in, in our little segment of the show that I love you and you've been an amazing father? And uh, Oh, you know what I did, Dad? I got you an what? extravagant Christmas present. You're, you're kidding. And you I did. got I got you an extravagant pre- Christmas present. You'll see it on Sunday. And um, is right. there anything you want to say before we end this thing, or did you already say it? I already said everybody in the Dopey Nation have a happy holidays and be healthy. I already said that. Right. I already said toodles uh, for Chris, but right. I just said it again. All right, that's fantastic. Thank you, Dad. I love you. Happy Hanukkah. I love you. Too. Merry Christmas. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. And, Dad, before we go, what's your favorite version of Good So Bad? I'll play that one. What's your favorite one? Oh, oh God, there's so many good ones. Um, you know what I really like? I like the one of the girls singing in the subway station. I don't even, I don't even that one doesn't even exist. What do you mean, the, one, you mean? the one on YouTube? The one that you said was, what do you call Busting? What's the word that they use? It's used busking, the, but she wasn't in a subway station. She was on Bleecker Street. Oh, all right. And okay. and no one's ever heard that one in years. What what Do you watch that, that well, video on that YouTube? Be, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be nice to do if they haven't heard it in years? And the girls... I mean, the, the good, you know, the, the, sorry, the banjo player, everybody heard it over and over again. There's a slow version of, of the dopey song that... Many people maybe wouldn't like, but I liked it. Um, That's the one with the good singing, the good singing and the guitar playing, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Mike Mart. He's a professional musician. Well, yeah, that would be nice. You want to hear that one, or you want to hear Hannah in the street busking? I would. I like Hannah. I mean, we haven't heard that in, for a long time. All right, we'll end it with Hannah in the street busking. Thank you again, Dad. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. This show had Doctor Drew. It had Brandon Novak. It had Lowe's from Brutal Recovery, B. Getz. Uh, lots and lots and lots of dopey in this show. And, um, okay. And, uh, and check us out on Patreon. Lots of good stuff on Patreon. And uh, thank you, Dad. I'll see you tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon. And, uh, and thank you for not telling me the Knicks score. I'm going to go watch the game right now unless you tell me that I shouldn't. Blink, no, blink once if I should watch it, and should I? You're saying you're saying nothing, so I should watch it. I'm saying nothing. I don't even know the score. I'm watching. I'm watching. Uh, I, I switched to the net game, which the Nets won, so you don't have to watch that game. You want me to? Sh- no, 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 I don't. On. I don't want. No, no, no. Okay. Good night, Dad. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. <laughs>